Not a fan of those big thick noodles, but I do like peanut sauce. Okay, we can talk about that right here. <laughs> yes, it's very important we get around to that. Finally, what are our thoughts on peanut sauce? Mm-hmm. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Sneaky Dragon. My name is David Dedrick. Hi, I'm Ian Boothby. And this is our 571st episode. I think it's very important that we bring that up. Yep. For tax purposes. <laughs> guess, I'm, I want is to, it divisible by it anything? Or, uh, you uh, like no, it's math not. Things. It adds up to 13, so not divisible. Is by. it a prime number? I'm, I'm not sure, actually. Very good. Do, I'd have to do some <laughs> Asked and not answered. Not answered. But I would think not. If it's not divisible by 3, then it's not divisible by 2 or 5. So, yeah, it's pretty... Uh, I'm not sure. Is prime number is a number that's only divisible by itself? Is that, is right. that definition? Yeah. It is a prime number. It is. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Enjoy, everybody. <laughs> it's a special prime number episode. Yay. For all you math nerds out there. <laughs> math nerds. And remember, whether you're a math nerd or not a math nerd, it still affects you just the same. What? The, oh, math. Math. Oh, yes. Yeah. Doesn't matter whether you believe in it or not. It mm. still is there. But I don't, you're still the same age. But you can not like math, and doesn't doesn't mean you don't be, don't believe in it. Ah, like you're not denying the existence of math. You're just like I'm just not interested in doing math. Okay, which would, th- I remember I denied mean. that you couldn't divide by zero because <laughs> it was just like I'm sure you can. <laughs> if you divide zero by zero, yeah. that should be one. Why? Because one times zero is zero. So you reverse it, and like everything else is, yeah, uh, reversible. So it should be. Zero is is the zero point, I guess. If so. you if you divide nothing by nothings, the same amount, the exact same amount, which is nothing, mm-hmm. that should be one. You've got one nothing there. Yeah. You should, but yeah. they say no. And I say wrong. <laughs> All right. Oh, okay. Good. You know, before the show, Dave and I were in a heated argument. We were in a heated argument? No, we weren't. Uh, we were in a heated, uh, heated discussion. Bath. We were in a heated um, bath. Because uh, later on, nice. I'm probably making some uh, peanut noodles. Yeah. And uh, I was making, I'm going to make some udon noodles because mm. those are what I have in the fridge. And Dave said, no thank you to no that. No thanks to that. Uh, because he does not like a thick noodle. I don't. And, I, you know, I always assumed, I always, I shouldn't say I always assumed, I always associated thick noodles with ramen. And so I would make the claim uh, that I did not like ramen. Mm-hmm. And then Nina... Matsumoto, said, third Matsumoto, dragon, third dragon, possibly appearing on a, a future show. <laughs> she better be. Um, she she said, "Hey, you might be thinking of the udon noodles, not necessarily ramen." And I was like, "Oh, well." She actually probably asked me, "Like, did you have udon noodles?" Right. And then I was like, "I don't know, udon no." Um, and then, <laughs> like, like <laughs> I know I was looking for something too. <laughs> But, but I went uh, for that it. was a real big I went reach. for it. I went for it. That's like you're climbing Maybe. up a mountain and you hey. grabbed uh, you grabbed for like a uh, like a crevice <laughs> and instead you got a, a tortoise that was uh, climbing up the uh, mountain. That's right. I mean, technically you grabbed something, yeah. but I don't think it's going to hold your weight. I think uh-huh. the tortoise is going to fall with yeah. you. But okay, continue. <laughs> and so, and I was in um, I was in Courtney. And so I had, I was in like a kind of old part of town, mm-hmm. kind of the hip part of town. You know, it was slowly changing. Yeah. So all the signs are black with white writing on it. Ooh. And when that happens, you know that it's a hip part of town. Yeah, rent's going up. Rent's going up. And so uh, I couldn't find a place to eat except for this uh, ramen place was open. And I was like, okay, I got to write to the expert, Nina, and to say, I'm going to try ramen, which I have. So 
you know, and I said, you know, my feeling about thick noodles. And that's when we had like the discussion about udon and stuff like that. And then, and she recommended that I have the tonkatsu. Yeah. Which is like a nice pork kind of, broth. It's a pork, but it's like a cream pork broth. It okay. has a creaminess to it. It's kind of like a, almost like it is. It's, it has like a milky texture to it. It's not like okay. just a liquid. I quite like that. Like I'm a big chowder fan. And so that's kind of like some a, people call you a chowder head. <laughs> a chowder head. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they do. I don't blame them. I like clam chowder a lot. Yeah, that's why they call it call you that. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Why? Was there another yeah, reason? No, no. I mean, I, I, you know. Yeah, no, it's fine. That's exactly what they call you. I can't think of another reason why they'd say that. Why would they? Why? Because I like chowder. Exactly. It's obvious. Please continue with your story. Clam chowder. Sure. I've never had corn, corn chowder. And the reason is, it's called corn chowder. And that's a good reason to not have it. You don't like corn? I do like corn. But I don't like it in things. <laughs> like me. Like my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I like it out in a field. I like, I like it next to a yeah. scarecrow. I like it in... I like uh, watching a crow eat it. Yeah, yeah. It's fine or crow. No, no. I like like corn on the cob and stuff. But I don't like it in, say, salsa. Okay. I don't... don't chili? Want it. Yeah, no. No chili. No, no, no. Okay. No, get, get that I out of there. I almost put it in chili the other day. So no. Okay. Unforgivable. Why? I just, just... I don't know. This does it for me. I don't know. These little yellow teeth. Why does it bother you? You're not even going to digest it. Don't worry about it. It's not straight through <laughs> It's just a tourist. It's going to go through you, take a couple maybe, of pictures. Maybe that's what it is. I don't want, so I don't want vegetables on touring my body. On the, on the corn uh, account. <laughs> yes. Anyway, can't think of... I, I'm not even going to reach for what I was going for there. No, right? no, the tortoise, yeah. <laughs> okay, so you don't like a thick noodle, though. I don't like a thick noodle. All right. No. What's your favorite type of noodle? Uh, I guess like a spaghetti. Okay. So I'm going to list some... But some... I like spaghettini. Yeah, I like a spaghettini more than I like a spaghetti. Me too. I, I really like the thin thinness. Yeah, I've of had it. Uh, I had uh, bad childhood memories with spaghetti. Okay, I'm going to give you the top ten um, uh, most popular pastas in North America. You tell me whether you like them. You don't. Okay. Spaghetti. Yeah. Penne. Yeah. You like a penne? Mm-hmm. You know stuff. Lasagna. Lasagna's great. Okay. Ravioli. That's super. Okay. Linguini. Yep, I like a linguine. Uh, rig- I like a fettuccine more. How about a rigatoni? That's a tube. That's the tube, or is it the spiral? Uh, it's a tube. A rotini is a spiral. Mm-hmm. But isn't penne a tube? I feel like this is silly that we're having two of the same thing with different names. It's a round tube-like structure that's tr- right with di- diagonal uh, cuts at either end, whereas uh, rigatoni are tubes with small ridges on the outside. <laughs> But they're slightly wider and cut into square rather than diagonally. Well, that just sounds like the same thing. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Okay, fuck that. That's a bunch of bullshit. Uh, farfalle. That's your butterfly. That's your bow tie. Okay, yeah. Do you like a bow tie? No, it feels like it's too much. Too much pasta then. Okay. Uh, so another corkscrew, but that's like a corkscrew with a hollow thing. That's a fusilli? Fusilli? Oh, fusilli, yeah. Okay. Uh, and just like a straight old elbow macaroni. I love macaroni. You like like a macaroni and cheese is, is one of my go-to. Okay, go-tos. how about cannelloni? Like a large tube of cannelloni, uh, like like full of cheese yeah, or yeah. something. Yeah, I don't. Well, I, my mom used to make manicotti. Yeah, which I believe is like uses as a cannelloni style, or it, maybe its own thing. I don't know. But she always made it with a, like a meat filling, which I which I prefer. I'm not really a fan of the the vegetarian. You're right. Manicotti does have the uh, yeah. That's that's right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like a manicotti as well. That's very good. I, I kind of like pretty much, like, I apparently like all passes. Except, except for, for udon. Except for udon. Really bothers like, you. It's too much for me. Okay. I, and I feel that way about, about bow ties. And, a, and I felt that a little bit about, remember you lent me that, or not lent me, because I ate it all, and you can't have it back. But you gave me that box of the pasta that had been designed by some... Sporkful guy, Dan yeah. Pashman. And, Cashman and I, or Pashman? And I liked it okay, but I thought, I thought it was a bit too much pasta. 
compared to like I I want a good pasta to sauce ratio. Oh, he worked hard to make sure that was the. I know he did, but I feel oh like my God did he care about that? Cascatelli. Uh, <laughs> Cascatelli. Very good. There I think is it's like a waterfall shape almost because mm-hmm. it has the. And I liked it when I had it, but not enough to order more. Yeah, I just I mean it wasn't terrible. I just no. I felt like it was just too much, too much pasta not to sauce. Not needed. It's fine. Yeah, you know, yeah. There's right. lots of other things. There's lots of, and I mean to say like rotini doesn't hold a sauce or something. I don't know, it doesn't make any sense. Maybe your sauce is too thick. Ever think about that? Could be. And when you get like your look, let's just go with the elbow macaroni we're talking about. Mm. Uh, the sauce gets inside there, yeah, and that's gonna that's gonna travel right up there to your mouth, where the corn <laughs> will never go, according to Dave. So, well, that's a, here's the other thing, right? You're, you're worried about the pasta not getting enough sauce on it. Yeah, you're eating them, you're eating it all. Like you're not leaving the you're not leaving stuff in the plate. I hope, like you're well, gonna yeah, like, I mean, finish I it am. off. If I'm out of pasta, we're done. I'm not. Uh, oh, you don't use like a bread to scoop no, it up? No, no, gross. gross. <laughs> oh, that's right. I forgot I'm about that. that. I forgot about gross. that. Gross. Your texture thing. Yeah, I might as well like bring it up and drink it. <laughs> yeah, that's other option. I know other people do such things. <laughs> yes, and it grosses me. I wouldn't think about. There's that. nothing more horrific to me than watching a commercial. I mean, I mean, of course, there's war and horrors <laughs> yes. and disease. This is personally, but let, let's just yeah. go into the in in the minor leagues. It's like when I'm watching a commercial and for some reason someone's drinking from their cereal bowl. Yeah. Or their soup bowl that, like with their hands and like that lifting every the bowl up and drinking it. Yeah. And it's just like, Zah! Yeah. I do, that every, it. I do that every morning. Yeah. Please bring, bring, but I think, bring on all of the medical ads. I think you associate uh, it with sugar cereals. Well, oh, uh, like no. doing that? Why, why would it be better with like a... It's not better with sugar. That's the grossest. Okay, why would it be better though with like say a shredded wheat? Because it's it doesn't really have much of the flavor. It's just the milk you're drinking. You're not really getting yeah, you're much drinking of the cereal. Like wheat milk, <laughs> like milk with people are drinking milk, milk, milk with little straws. You know, we're not that far off. People drinking wheat milk. They're drinking almond milk and oatmeal milk and all situation. that stuff. That's a very different situation. Almond milk isn't milk with almonds floating in it. Almond milk <laughs> is milk made of almonds. That's a very different situation. Yeah, it's like a, oat milk is not milk with like yeah. pieces of oats floating in it. Mm-hmm. That's not the thing. Yeah, yeah. But there's a person who has to go... And milk the almonds. Milk milk a very tiny oat. Yeah. Yeah. It's a hard job. Find the oat nipple. (laughs) Give it a squeeze. Oat udder. Yeah. Yeah. It is tough. It is tough. (laughs) It's a hard job. Um, Well, I think we covered it all. Is that all the pasta there is? No, those were just the top ten. You didn't say... Because you said uh, linguine, but you didn't say fettuccine, which is I I think is better than linguine. Okay. Let's go... uh... That's All right, let's go past the types then. Why, why, why not? All right, so we got, uh, how about uh, ziti? That's another two. <laughs> we don't have to do all of them. Either. Spatzel. Spatzel's pretty good. Uh, I was just surprised Weenie that... is all right. Farfalli, we've been through. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was just surprised that's that... The that end. That's the, all of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we've named them all now. <laughs> Bigoli, I've never heard of that. You wouldn't like it, though. It's a big pasta. When you go to uh, Italy, they have like... Ones you've never like seen in your life. They have ones that are, like shaped like sombreros, and they'll be mm. and they'll be colored. Mm-hmm. They'll be colored like uh, like the Mexican flag colors. Okay. The sombreros. Right. So they color the pasta. Do they are they flavored? Is it flavored with vegetables? I don't know. I, did, or... I just looked at them. I didn't eat them because you know you're on vacation. You're not can <laughs> take. I can take these and boil them up somewhere and have them. Oh, okay. I was gonna like you're on vacation. I guess I could have bought them. You're in... not gonna eat pasta on vacation. 
No, but these in were like Italy. these were at like markets, like a mark like a market. I okay. didn't see them for sale. And there was no uh, restaurants that were serving them or anything like that. I mean, maybe there were, but and I, you would not be you would not to, not know to request them. Yeah, be no reason for that. Yes, yeah. Okay. Do you have sombreros? No, I'm leaving. We do have a corn in our. Get out of here. Okay. Let's see what that one is. Sombrero, sombrero pasta. <laughs> that would yeah, sombrero shaped uh, pasta, multicolored and stuffed. Yeah, what the hell is it called? <laughs> We know that's what it is. <laughs> you, that doesn't help us. They're just saying, yeah. you can stuff these little hats. Hmm. What? Oh, oh, well, I see. Okay. So, Sombreroni uh, is what it is. Sombreroni. Oh, yeah. S O M B R E. Seems a little obvious now that you can say it. <laughs> How come we didn't think of that? Yeah. That looks like, it's that looks us. like, oh my God, that looks like way too much work. Yeah. Isn't it crazy? Yeah. That's too much work. And they were like, and they're obviously like handmade, and they're they're like displayed like in a in like a basket. Mm-hmm. And I guess you would scoop in and take out what you wanted of them. Mm-hmm. They were like for sale in a bag. They were it seemed yeah, but there were other ones there. Too. Those are ones I remember quite okay. vividly. But there are other ones too. Like there was a lot there. I mean, those sombrerorinis. They uh, sombrero. Anyway, they they um, probably fall under the same problem I would have with other. That's Large too, pasta. It's, it's too much pressure. It's a lot of pasta. It's too well. It's too much pressure to me. Like because I know someone, uh, so much work went into making those that I'm just like, well, I don't know. I don't want to. You don't want trouble. But you don't want to eat it. But I mean, that's the whole point of them. What's that? But that is weird, isn't it? it? Yeah. But it's like uh, no. I would like. But I feel worry that about we... making the sauce. Yeah. Like if, okay, if I'm getting it served in a restaurant, fine. Yeah. yeah. But if I, if I'm taking them home, I'm just like, ugh, I really got to work on this sauce because someone put so much work into the pasta, I yeah. can't like half-ass the sauce. I know, but. I feel the same way about like pierogies. Like we have a place. What's in... wrong with per- like pierogies? Are so easy to make though. Are they? Oh, crazy easy. They right? they look hard to make to me. Well, wait, wait. Oh, you mean like? Okay, all right. Go ahead. I mean to make them, yeah, not yeah, not yeah. just to throw them in a yeah, frying yeah. pan and out of a frozen bag. Well, it's. I mean, how hard is it to make dough for you? You make. I make dough. Pie dough. Yeah, yeah. So you. I mean, that's just a big honking pie. Like someone said, "Oh, Dave, you got to make thirty pies that are the size of the size of a thumb." Okay. I'd be. I have a different feelings about it. But if you can make okay, look, if you can make dough, you're making dough. Yeah. So you're making dough, and you just make it nice and thin. Then you, uh, uh, you know, make a make a shape like a circle. Yeah. And now you're putting some cheese whiz in, which is really what you're putting in. And yeah. I know that sounds like I'm joking. No, no. But uh, I remember watching this uh, CBC documentary on you know the greatest. Uh, pierogi makers in Canada and you see these old women and they're in the village and they're making them for the men and it's the history of the world and yeah. they all discovered cheese whiz and just went fuck it we're using cheese whiz because <laughs> it's better and yeah, so yeah. they're all full of cheese whiz and all the guys are happy with that so yeah, yeah. you just gotta put some I, cheese I whiz like in there cheese whiz. yeah then fold them up and then throw know. them in the pot it just feels and like if a they lot float of uh, they're a witch <laughs> and you eat them we have a place in um, in Aldergrove called Veronica's and they they make uh they make pierogies. They they hand make pierogies and sell them. And yeah, that feels like you're right. That feels like when you buy them, like you better eat those. You better eat all of them. And the, but what's nice is they make um they'll make uh, little it's fruit ones in the summertime. Nice. So we can get go and get strawberry ones. Okay. Uh, with, and they're more like a then it's more like a, a pie. Like it has more like a like you know the old McDonald's pies they used to make where they're deep fried. Yep. Burn your mouth off. Yeah, those are great. Yeah, they're really good. They suck now. It was good. Yeah, they're not good now. No. Because no. they have to be deep fried. That's they the whole purpose of them. Fried, yeah. They were designed could to be deep fried. Could you deep fry the ones they have now? Like, could you do the step? Also, are they deep frying mm. them in the beef tallow? Back, back? They were in the beef tallow then, yeah. Yeah, that's the other thing there. <laughs> 
the problem is vegetarians can't eat them if you do that. That wasn't the problem. The problem wasn't that. Uh, I heard was, that episode of. Uh, yeah, the problem. Yeah, the problem was they were saying it was like healthier to uh, to have the vegetable oil, but it wasn't healthier to yeah, have the vegetable out, oil. No, it's not. It's worse for your heart than the beef tallow. Yeah. yeah stuff. Yeah. yeah. So okay, here's what goes into the uh, the uh, dough for uh, pierogies. Okay. So okay, get ready. Okay. Uh, flour makes sense. Water makes sense. Butter. Okay, that's your shortening. Salt. Okay, we're done. Yeah, yeah, I cut it in. Yeah. So there you go. If you can make if you can make dough for pie, yeah. you're off to the races. All you yeah. gotta do is like then cut out little circles. You uh, uh, cheese whiz done. Boom, boom, boom. Why are you buying pierogi? It's, it's giving you the fool. it's giving you're you the ingredients in the wrong direction though. So it should be it should be uh, flour, salt. Mix those together. Yeah. Then you put in your butter. You cut it in. Then you add your water. Bit by okay. bit, and you toss your you toss Here's your why dough. they're doing it this way. Yeah, is they're doing the thing in a recipe where you go largest to smallest. Oh, okay. so it's four cups flour, one cup water, three tablespoons butter. Oh, one, one teaspoon cup water. Salt. Oh, okay, that's a lot of water. Oh, you're not a big water fan, huh? Well, don't I, care I mean, for the water. I, I I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking in terms of pies, not in terms of pierogies. So it's probably a a, a damper business going on. Oh, there. it definitely is. Yeah, yeah, and it's a thinner. It's definitely a thinner mm-hmm. uh, dough. Seems like like I watched. Um, you know, I like to watch an Instagram like everyone else does. Sure you do. Um, people make food. And sometimes they'll make like uh, like dumplings, mm-hmm. you know, or they'll make little kind of uh, like maybe Mexican sort of like uh, pastries that, you know, you pinch around the edges like around. Sure, pinches. Whatever, yeah, pinches, <laughs> pinchitas, whatever, whatever it is. And and uh, my whole my thought while I'm watching that is this is too much work. Like, I, I just don't see the point. Like, you make 20 of those and then... You, you know, 20 minutes later, they're all gone because they're just so easy to eat. And, you know, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, got to go spend another hour putting this together. Like, ah, oh, forget it. No wonder they're so popular frozen because it's such a lot of work. But financially, I think yeah. the situation is you can either pay uh, for, you know, some at the store, which really, again, is not not, not much. No. Like pierogies don't cost a lot of money. No. When, when, when I'm broke, <clears throat> pierogies are a real good go-to. Yeah. You know. Uh, but uh, so you have to forego the bacon, though. Well, that's the thing. You don't need a lot of bacon. Okay. You don't need a lot of bacon. You just need a little bacon, and that flavors the uh, butter and whatever that you're cooking mm-hmm. in, and then mm-hmm. everything's flavored, and it's good. Or yeah. hey, get the pierogies with the bacon in it. There you go. They're not really that much more. No, you're right. That's what I'm saying to you. That's my tip. Get your get your four like your sample pack with the four different stuff. Damn right, do do that. <laughs> yeah, you're fine. But pierogies, no matter yeah. what, they're uh, cheapity cheap. Yeah, yeah. It's this potato. Yeah. Don't you find that fascinating? I was th- talking about this the other day at work, actually, to a lot of blank stares. But I was talking about this at work because <laughs> I think it, I find it fascinating that, like, we associate, like, Irish and potatoes. And we think about, like, I was, cause, oh, we were talking about uh, gnocchi. Yeah. Which is potato. Uh, potato pasta. Potato yeah. pasta. And then I was thinking, like, and then pierogies. Right. It's and, just it's just potatoes and flour and water mm-hmm. and salt, I guess. Sure. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. But it's so interesting like how pervasive potatoes are in, in European cooking when they weren't they didn't exist until like the new world was discovered. Mm. And then potatoes came came over came back with the with the the uh explorers. And it's just amazing how like it just sort of took over. I guess you could say the same with noodles that came from China. Sure. You know, when noodles came to Italy, everyone's like, "Oh my god, we got to make sombreros with these things." <laughs> Yeah. And then you go, what are sombreros? You'll find out. <laughs> You'll find out. Then they base the hat on the pasta. They did. That's they the did. flip. That sombrero is a long term for so- is a short term for sombrito. And then at some point someone invented the sandwich. No, they didn't. Sandwiches <laughs> were out before. No, the Earl of Sandwich did. No, he didn't. 
Other people put shit between bread before he did. <laughs> yeah, but his name. I know, I know, I know. He had a good name. He had a good name for it. That's yeah. right. Just does it wouldn't make any sense. Who would want to eat anything else by any other name? Well, his, I mean, the thing about the sandwich, which made sense, was it's clean. You can pick it up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, before then you had to yeah. have your fork and knife like an exactly. idiot. Yeah, and, this, and now you get like a sandwich and you can uh, get back to work. You have a sandwich and some M&Ms and it's no mess. No fuss. Yeah, that was bullshit with the M&Ms, though. <laughs> so they, don't, they do melt? They do fucking melt in your hands. <laughs> Hold an M&M in your hand for like a minute, like just in your fist. And then open sure your hands right. and taste the rainbow that is your hand. I'm sure you're right. It's, I'm damn right, yeah. <laughs> they do melt. Ridiculous. And who was having this problem with their chocolate bars? I always you heard know what it chocolate was... chocolate bars uh, come in? A wrapper. Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. That problem solved. It's it's like saying, you know, a sandwich, hey, you can eat it, it's fine, you're not going to get your hands dirty. Well, well I'm not the, eating the rest of my food without a knife and fork. The funnier part of it is, is the the myth, the myth, the mythical story is that it was for soldiers. Well, they were like in combat, so they wouldn't, they weren't getting chocolate everywhere. <laughs> but you're like, isn't it already like a mess? Isn't everything like a messy, dirty, muddy, bloody... Yeah. how would you tell? <laughs> exactly. In a muddy foxhole that you got some Hershey on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god look at you slob yeah also you're again you're getting the hershey's yeah. in a wrapper mm-hmm. you're fine problem solved no yeah. problem if you were yeah. to say the problem is that there's a mess from the wrapper and you got to throw the wrapper out but where are the m&ms coming out of yeah, yeah. something and I'm, there's other there's, this is a there's lots of other litter in war problem that's, that's yeah, not solved war is one giant uh mess so. here by the way is every food story yeah from like the last 200 years okay which is like how did they invent the Waldorf salad? Well, okay. it was late one night at the hotel, <laughs> yeah. and they were out of food. And, he, and this guy showed up and said, I want food. And he went, we got no food, but make me something, please. And they went in the kitchen and saw the stuff they had, and they put it together, and he liked it. And so we called it after him, and that's a Waldorf salad. And that's every fucking food story <laughs> for 200 years it's okay. like they went to the thing and it was closed and they didn't so they made it and they put it together and that's how you got a club sandwich like well okay whatever it's fine every one of these stories <laughs> it's not an interesting story it's never interesting no yeah it's never like two guys were daring each other mm. you know and so on and so forth you know what's good about the club sandwich yes but the, you tell me your theory the third piece of bread hmm continue I, I understand that your favorite McDonald's uh, yeah, yeah. burger is uh, is the Big Mac. So that's, that's right. Maybe, maybe I like just a big fan of the extra piece of bread. <laughs> but I like it. I like well, especially well, I especially like it toasted, mm-hmm. like a toasted club sandwich, and I I just like that extra little bit of crunch. I'm not a fan of uh, Friends, the TV show. Okay, but and I'm not a fan of this sandwich. But I think you might be. Okay, maybe I'm wrong. All right. Uh, they had a sandwich on there called the Moist Maker. And the Moist okay. Maker sandwich. It's kind of. What's that? It's kind of making me a little giddy, but it's okay. A, Not giddy, in, but in a little. In a good way, you're excited. No, no. You, you get the tingles. <laughs> um, and the idea Getting was. The tingles. It was basically a Thanksgiving sandwich. Yeah. So it was like all the things. Okay. But then you took a piece of bread and you soaked it in gravy and put that in the middle. Oh, no, 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 no. Well, I'll just oh, tell no, you, no, sir. No, 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 uh, no, that was, uh, And that was like the sandwich no, no, they enjoyed. No, no, no. Nope. Sorry. That is, oh, this my... Soggy bread is a bad sandwich. Oh, oh, this is one of my horrors of, of growing up was... Uh... How can you eat cereal then? This is, I, I'm of the same <laughs> thing of just like... Yeah, because I don't, because it's not the same somehow. I don't know. I just, I, uh, maybe I'm no, a fast I cereal a fa- eater. I had a father who was British. I eat really so fast cereal. So he would cereal. have the sandwiches, yeah. pour the gravy on the sandwich, and it would be a soaking sandwich. Ugh. 
and and uh, there'd be like peas on the side, yeah. and it was just like, "Do you want some?" No, I'd rather die. <laughs> I will turn into a pile of bones in the corner happily rather than eat soggy bread. No thanks. It was uh, every, okay. We uh, growing up, I won't say every weekend, but pretty much any weekend we ate at home, we had roast beef for Sunday dinner. Okay. So that meant on Monday we were going to get. A piece of white bread. <laughs> Which meant Monday we were going to get diarrhea. <laughs> so you had to plan. We were going to get a piece of white bread with a piece of roast beef on it and gravy poured on top of that. Oh, Jesus. I know. It's awful. Oh, my God. I hated it so much. What and I had to eat doing? it. I had to eat it every Monday. Every Monday until I was a teenager when I was finally able to, like, put my foot down and oh to say, gosh. you know what? I'm going to make a sandwich. Yeah. I'll just make a roast beef sandwich. What a horror. Because I, I like a roast beef sandwich that's... um. I, I like white bread. It's white bread, butter, yeah. mustard, mayonnaise. Do you or do a salad. horseradish ever? No, no. I like a horseradish on a, on a roast beef sandwich. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but I like mustard, roast beef, okay. Miracle Whip, pickles, and that's it. To put it together. All right. It's a good, crunchy, soft delivery system of mustard and, and uh, Miracle Whip. All right. And I prefer Miracle Whip to uh, mayonnaise. So. I, I hear much, you. Much to my daughter's disgust. It's a it's a controversial decision. Here's, here's something. <laughs> Apparently, you, I didn't realize Here's something it. you can do. I just grew up with it. Yeah, here's something you can do. Yeah. Uh, mix them together. Okay. It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I What's that called? Mayo whip? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Half a miracle. <laughs> I was just wondering when Miracle Whip came into existence. The answer is 1933. I was going to say the 30s. Because I think it was invented as a substitution for, for um, mayonnaise because it uses less eggs or something like that. And it's, it's more like a bunch of oils thrown together or something. Oh, that's that, that makes sense. Okay. Uh, and uh, like almost everything around that time... Introduced at a World's Fair. That... Yeah, that's the old... That's, yeah, yeah. I, I know I said like it's usually at a bar and they had nothing. <laughs> True. Or, 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 yep. or yep. if it's something very processed, World's Fair. I see was, was, was uh, introduced at a World's Fair. Sure. 1904 in St. Louis, I believe. Ice yeah, I'm pretty sure it was like Miracle Whip. That's American iced tea. Yeah, Miracle Whip and Penicillin both came out the same year at the same place and you, could, you had to buy them uh, together. The only way you can get your penicillin was through Miracle Whip. And the, no, that's not true at all. <laughs> no, I'm lying. I'm making up stuff. <laughs> I'm having a good time. When the girls were little, we ordered some... They wanted iced tea at a restaurant in Seattle. Uh-oh. Yeah, and I totally forgot about the whole iced tea. Because I don't really order iced tea very often uh, myself. But they uh, order, ordered iced tea, and then it came to the table, and they tasted it. And they said, what the hell is this? <laughs> and Because uh, they're used to like the sweet, you know, the sweet tea we have here. And so they were very nice at the restaurant, though. They're like, oh, we explained. We'll give you sweet tea. And they said, no, they just, said, they just brought us a pop or something like that. And stuff. Okay. Because, yeah, sweet tea isn't, you can't really make sweet tea by adding sugar to iced tea. It doesn't really work. It's not the same. Why not? Why can't they add a simple syrup to it? Won't, then we'll do it. It's not the same. No, it's okay. not. Because iced tea, like iced tea like we have here is like a, it's like a flavored, it's like a different thing. It's like a flavored water. Like it's. It's not tea that has sugar added to okay. it. It's like its own, you know, they've created a flavor of quote-unquote iced tea. All right. And that's what you drink. And so, uh, yeah, you can't, like, I've tried that myself. Like, you know, we're like, oh, you don't like tea? Why not just putting sugar in it? Because you like iced tea. And you're like, oh, okay, I'll try that. No, it's, it's not the same. Yeah. It's not the same. I don't mind, I don't mind tea, iced tea, um, like, like a Arnold Palmer, like mixed in with lemonade. Yeah. Well, it's, that's like about a half sweet. Yeah, and it's just kind of like a nice. Yeah. It's like a nice surprise flavor. You know, there's a little bit of the sweetness and a bit of bitterness of the tea, and that's fine. And and if I'm like totally desperate, 
during my um, sugar fast, and I just sick of drinking water in restaurants. I will, or if I'm in the states, I will order tea, like iced tea. Yeah, it feels like something. And just kind of like bitterly, you know, or begrudgingly drink this tea. Right, but it just make sure someone tickles you at the same time. <laughs> That's right. I just need some sensation. I need something. Yeah. Yeah. Once again, another uh, origin story of a food product. Arnold Palmer, he wanted one, and they made it for him. End of story. Good job. Is that the case, really? I think so, yeah. He used to, like, mix them together, so. That's yeah. interesting. That's a good drink to have named yeah, after you. Yeah, That's lucky. I got good thoughts. Uh, what's uh, Jack Nichols, uh, Nicholas uh, got? Nothing. Nothing. No drink. No. Who was the better golfer? <laughs> Arnold Palmer or Jack Nichols? Yeah. That's Jack a Nicholas. question. Jack Nicholas. yeah. I know, you don't want to say Nicholson. It's a Nicholson. shame that it's so close to Jack Nicholson. <laughs> Jack Nicholas. Nicholas. Um, I think it was. I think it was Jack Nicholas was the better golfer, but I'm not sure. But Arnold Palmer has the better drink. So which is better? Which is better, really? This is. These are good uh, questions. Uh, here we go. We're gonna go with the 20 greatest golfers of oh, all time. Oh, okay, okay. 20 greatest golfers of all time. Uh, here we go. And I'm glad it's not. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> one of those things where they. Oh, here we go. Okay, so. Oh, we're starting at the bottom. Well, we oh, don't want that. <laughs> Number 10. I don't need, need to get uh, Nick Fol- Faldo in this. Right. Who gives a shit about Nick Faldo? Fuck yeah. you, Nick Faldo. Yeah, is he, is he British? Maybe. All I know is he can go to hell. I got uh, Phil Mickelson as number 10. All right. Yeah, Phil, Mick- Phil Mickelson. Lefty. It's a fun, it's a fun name. Yeah, left handed right. golfer. All right, let me get to. Oh, Jesus. Got to go all the way here. Oh, yeah. All right, here we go. I'm going to go. Uh, of, okay, so we're going to go number, f- number uh, five. Okay. Ben Hogan. Okay. Star of Hogan's Heroes. <laughs> Crocodile Dundee himself. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> Call it a golf club? This is a golf club. Number four, Arnold Palmer. Number four is Arnold Palmer. Okay. Arnold Palmer. Arnold Palmer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Number four. There have been better players with prettier swings, but there's never been a more important golfer than the king, Arnold Palmer. How come he's he number four then? quadrupled purses. Brought golf away from country clubs and into our living room okay. and assembled an army of devoted followers. He won. He lost. But with more flair than any other athlete. Huh. It's fine. Number three. Yep. Uh, a golfer that I only heard about because of Peanuts. The comic Oh, Sam Sneed. Sam Sneed. <laughs> Using a smooth, syrupy swing that looked as natural and effortless as breathing. Slamming Sammy. Mm. Won more golf tournaments than any other player. A staggering total of 82 PGA Tour titles. Wow. That's right. That's pretty impressive. And did he look good doing it? You're damn right. (laughs) With a syrupy swing. With a syrupy swing. (laughs) Number two. Yeah? Jack Nicklaus. Oh, they're going to put Tiger at number one. Ridiculous. Anyway, Jack Nicklaus. Let me tell you something about uh, Nicklaus. Yep. He brought out greatness in his opponents. Mm -hmm. Palmer, Blair, Watson, Trevino. But more importantly, he made golf a greater game through his physical skill and strength, his mental toughness, his sustained level of excellence, and his genius for strategically dismantling golf courses around the world. (laughs) And at the same time, solving murder mysteries. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, solved a lot of murder mysteries. That's great. Yeah. Murder he putt. Yeah, he did a lot of... uh, It was the wife. Yeah. You know why? Because he was a misogynist. Oh, dear. Hated the ladies. (laughs) He would accuse them and he'd frame them for murder. Yep. Number one, Tiger Woods. Yep. How boring. Yeah. I think this is like, I mean, I mean, obviously Tiger is very important in terms of bringing uh, pop golf into the mainstream even more than Nicholas or Palmer did. Or Sam Sneed. <laughs> Sammy Sneed. But, but Nicholas still has like more majors. He has more wins than, than Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods yeah. was, was uh, predicted to, to beat 
Nicholas eventually, like, it, you know, it's just kind of like not, it's not an if, it's a when. But then he kind of uh, obviously drove his car into the, into the, uh, well, literally into a, into the freeway mm-hmm. uh, uh, median. But also he, you know, metaphorically drove his car into the ditch and his career with it, you know, and so he took a real hit. And I don't, yeah, it's bad when you're ever, in an accident uh, and someone goes, uh, hey, this is also a metaphor. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not talking about a pre-accident. He, oh, okay. He drove his car into a tree. Uh, oh, okay. Into a tree. Gotcha. He injured himself. Not not his wife hitting him. Yeah. Never say that. Yeah. That is wrong. Very wrong, everyone. But, um, yeah, uh, after, the, after that, uh, after the revelation of his uh, infidelities and things, he kind of, his career, his person, he... His personal life took a nosedive, and then his career took a nosedive, and you know it all kind of it all kind of works together, I guess, and so that affected him, and he's I don't think he's expected to now beat Nicholas in in you know majors and all that kind of thing. So I think it's, I'm going to put Nicholas at number one. I think okay, you know, I mean I I know that Tiger was like the first athlete to earn a billion dollars and all that stuff, but you know he earned a billion dollars. Yeah, really? Yeah. Okay, didn't know there was that much money in golf. There's that much money in, uh, but like endorsements. Endorsements, and yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. He was very, very popular. He was super popular. Like, I mean, if that's what, if that's your measure of like great golfers, sure, he's no. number one. No, why would but that, that shouldn't be, a be of great yeah, exactly. But that's but that's what they're going to say in that thing because he's not better than Jack, Jack Nicklaus okay. in terms of like wins. I mean, he was a great golfer, but he also you know was a, a personal car accident that kind of you know. That didn't, you know, so Nicholas was just tougher, you know, in, mentally tougher, lasted longer, didn't break down the way Tiger did. And do you think, um, do you think uh, back in the day, like uh, people didn't care about that stuff and uh, now they do? I think they, I think they cared. You mean cared about infidelity? Yeah, things like that. Oh, I think people cared a Being lot about Being a, a drinky, fighty, cheaty uh, type, like did uh, people give a shit about uh... Babe Ruth? You know, uh, like in the like in the sauce, or yeah. you know, who cares? Yeah. You know, it just depends how you sell yourself, right? Well, back then, would they cover that sort of thing? Like, there'd be like some scandal if you if you crossed like a big line, hmm. but there weren't. Were there active? Uh, maybe they were back then. Maybe you had a had a hopper or whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah. Going they're... after going after you, uh, yeah. seeing like you know, uh, but. But I, I just there was a more if, like, concerted effort to keep those things under under wraps. And, in it, those and days. if so, like. Was something like, you know, if Sinatra's out uh, drinking a lot, mm-hmm. you know, is that a, ooh, scandal? Or is that, who cares? That's what you do. That's part of the Well, the I mean, his persona was as a hard-drinking, hard-living guy. Right. And so that's part of his... Did they expect uh, athletes to be, you know, uh, straight arrows? Once again, it depends how you sold yourself as an athlete, mm-hmm. right? Like how you presented yourself. You know, you could be Mr. You know, you could be like a Joe DiMaggio who was very... Mr. America, Mr. Straight Ahead, you know. And there are other athletes like a Pete Rose or something like that whose reputation was as a carouser and a rebel, rebel rouser and, a, you know, a rabble rouser, I should say, and not rebel rouser. Forget I yeah, said I'm that. Yeah, I'm just talking like 1950s, you know. Like, mm-hmm. like I'm thinking late, late 1950s, yeah. you know, is, uh, is the scandal, you know, this person but, likes a lot of drinking yeah. and a but lot of But the thing about the fi- But the thing about the 50s is all that information was way more kept under wraps. You know, they had much a much easier time with the press to, to suppress that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. You know, any sort of womanizing. I mean, all that went on, obviously. But they just, you know, they had a cooperative press. It, w- it wasn't a kind of a dirt-digging press that, like we have nowadays. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like an athlete from the 50s that is like uh, huge. 
Yeah. You know, besides a Babe Ruth or what have you. Like, or Joe DiMaggio. Or, uh, yeah, Joe, Di- Joe DiMaggio. Yeah, like who was around then. Like, uh, Yeah, and that's the other thing. There wasn't like really superstar athletes then either. Like they weren't paid the way they are now, for one thing. Like, that, that wasn't until like the baseball strike in what, the late 70s that you started seeing like crazy, you know, you started seeing salaries go up. You know, before that time, like everyone was like, it's hard to imagine, but at one time a player in, in the Canadian Football League and in the National Football League made about the same amount of money. Okay. Now, that's laughable, the idea, like, because, you know, the Canadian Football League doesn't have that kind of money, for one thing. But right. at the time, it was just, you didn't pay your players that much. In fact, hockey players, and I imagine other sports athletes, like, they worked after, in the off-season. They, they had a job, and they worked in a mill, or they worked, you know, they weren't, like, constant. They weren't, like, nowadays, an athlete's job is to be an athlete. Right. And when summertime comes, they're off, like doing insane, you know, endurance things or going, doing CrossFit or whatever to keep themselves fit for the next season. Like, even like Mario Lemieux in the Penguins, like it was a classic quote from him was, uh, they said, you know, what do you do? It's spring training coming out. What do you, what do you do for, you know, what do you do to get in shape? He says, I stopped eating fries. That's his, uh, that was his uh, conditioning system. Okay. You know, like it was, you know, it's just, that wasn't a thing because you didn't have that kind of time. You, were, you had a job. You worked somewhere else, right? Like a guy like Phil Esposito or people like that, you know, in the old days. They actually had jobs. They weren't just athletes because you didn't make enough money. Mm-hmm. That's pretty hard to imagine. Like nowadays in like multi-million dollar salaries and all the rest of it. Like that, that uh, you know. What uh, changed things for that? Uh, unions. Okay. You know, so unions. The union, can we get a couple of million bucks? And unions went, yeah. and television. So okay. once television, once sports became televised and that started to bring a lot of money into the te- to the to the owners then the athletes wanted a share of that, right? And so it's, there's a more equitable, obviously owners still make a lion's share, but there's more equitable, uh, you know, and then uh, and I think like gam- sports gambling is definitely like upped it even more now. Like, so that's really like made a huge, like especially for football, because football is like a gambling sport. Right. There's so many like things to gamble on in, in football, not just the, the score, but also all the, all these variables around it and stuff. And there's all these, there's all these little weird, especially for the Super Bowl, where they'll be like they'll have bets on like how long until the first field goal, like how many you know game minutes until the first field goal, how many game minutes until the first interception, and stuff like that, right? People can bet on all these. Again, there's a name for them, parlays or something. I I don't know. Sure. I'm not a gambler, but uh, yeah. So all all these things are like made sports so popular and so big and so you know like the money is like. Like, you know, um, you know Rooney Mara, the actress, and Kate Mara? No, I don't. Uh, Rooney Mara was in uh, the American version of um, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. She played mm-hmm. the, uh, the Sander character. Okay. But um, Mara that they, and Rooney, they, um, those are owners, their, par- like their families are owners of the New York Giants, I believe, and then the Pittsburgh Steelers. There's like the, but the Giants, or the Jets, one of those teams, I can't quite remember now, but... Their like great grandfather won the team in a poker game. Oh, because it wasn't worth that much money. I mean, yeah. it was still valuable, but you know, and that was a big, obviously, probably a big gamble on someone's part that they put their their team up, you know, as, as stakes in a game. But yeah, that's how they won it, you know. And it was was you know, or or even more interesting to me is the um, um, Green Bay Packers because okay. they're they're a community owned team. So they're like there's like a bunch of people at some point in the past put money in to have a team in green bay in wisconsin oh, okay and 
I believe it's still like still owned as like a community, oh, like a bunch of people who pool their money. They still, but this is like that kind of like you know, uh, small time. Let's throw some money into a hat and let's get a football team going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's well over. Like that team is worth like you know gajillions of dollars. Like it's yeah, it's just crazy. All the jerseys and all everything and all the advertising. And the other thing about football, unlike other sports, is that I can't remember the commissioner's name, but he like basically like strong armed all the team owners into agreeing to an equitable share of the of all of the the money spread between all the teams oh, okay. so it, if if you're like in a hot city like new york or la or you know where like la is hard to say because there's hardly ever teams in la but there are two teams there now but um you know if you're in like a market that has a lot of money compared to say wisconsin or minnesota like smaller cities they still get like a, a, a equal share of the money you know, like it's not all going to New York so they can just spend whatever they want on, on their players and build up a big team. No, it's all equitably shared amongst all the teams, uh-huh. which is a bit fairer. Interesting. Okay. But yeah. So at some point, I can't remember the name of the uh, the commissioner, but basically he just like, this is what we're going to do. <laughs> if anyone wants to argue with me, they can leave. So, but I mean, but this was put through at a time when teams weren't making like nearly what they're yeah, making I, now. Yeah. This is all new. That's interesting. Okay. There you go. Huh. A little bit of off the top of my head, I don't know what I'm talking about, sports finances. Sure, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> That's what podcasts are all about. Off the top of your head, making shit up. And was, then uh, we yeah. will fact check later on. Fact, yes, listeners can fact check. They can always write in and say, Dave, you're wrong, because yeah. now blah, blah, blah. If you had to fact check on the spot, then you wouldn't have like a Joe Rogan podcast or anything. And those are the most successful ones. So, you know, who are we to, <laughs> who are we to argue with that kind of thing? It was what? funny watching that. Like yeah. uh, It was like a Matt Walsh was uh, being interviewed and talking some shit about some shit and uh and then like halfway through like you just see this light off to the side and they both look over and read the facts and the facts were so radically different (laughs) so radically different it was just like matt walsh matt walsh uh and and this thing is kind of a right-wing uh guy okay okay and you know they're talking about like the amount of uh you know, teenagers that were transitioning. It's like, it's millions a year, millions a year. And oh, it was like, uh, really? and then they, they, they checked. It no, was like it's, under a thousand. It's all. And even yeah, that yeah. was like, you know, there's like some puberty blockers, but very, yeah, little. yeah. It's like, like nothing. full, full on transition. Yeah, I like, imagine it's pretty rare. That was it. That it was age, just, yeah. yeah. It was like millions. It was yeah, like, yeah. and it was like, oh, that's awful. And you know what? You know, I don't mind if, you know, adults do it, but you know, a million yes, kids, do. that's so sad. Yes, yeah, you of do. course you do. You're bullshitting <laughs> f- fucking liar. Uh, and, but you knew like, Matt was about to say something stupid about that as well, yeah, but yeah. that stupid got interviewed. Got you know, it was so bad that they had to like go <laughs> and like you know pull the brakes. And you think like you would. would yeah. So when you get called on something like that, you know, he just went, "Yeah, I guess you know, Media Matters is going to have a field day with this." It's like, no, you just got caught in a lie, you shit. Yeah. Like, yeah. did you did to, to you now looking over at this? Is this like, oh, that's new information? What I thought was wrong. Yeah, yeah. My yeah. perspective has radically changed. <laughs> no. Or it doesn't matter because yeah. I'm just talking some shit. Yeah. Why, 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 why'd you bring facts into this and ruin our nice discussion? <laughs> Ugh. Yeah. God damn. Yeah. Why did you bring facts into yeah, this? Yeah. Well, you, well, you, well, you, well, hey, look at the Poindexter over there with the old uh, fact uh, chicken. Boo, boo! I tells you, you owe a sandwich. Uh, invented sandwiches. I'm sure he did. The other thing that's other thing that's lost in sports, I feel like, is the the great nickname. Okay. Or the great like um, there's things like the Pittsburgh Steelers had their defense was called the Steel Curtain. 
Aha, uh-huh, that is good. And then the Vikings had their, uh, I think their defense again was called the Purple People Eaters because the team was, the Vikings have purple in their color. The Purple People Eaters. This is like not, great. A, not as good, but yes. But it's good though, right? Like yeah, it's fun. But the other one is cool. Steel Curtain is cool. The yeah, Steel yeah. Curtain is, is really good. Yeah, yeah. Who would win in a fight? Uh, like uh, the Wall of Sound yeah, yeah. or the Steel Curtain, would you say? <laughs> yeah. Probably Steel Curtain because they're football players and they would beat up the musicians pretty pretty easily. I mean, they they try they try to like have great names, but it's just hard. Like, I remember on the Canucks they had a well, they had the Lotto line because it the numbers added up to six forty nine, which is kind of fun. But, a, that's clever. And then they had one which it's no Steel Curtain. Yeah, yeah. That's like Steel Curtain's gonna stop. No, you. still. I mean, that's yeah, that's great. That's the best. How about the mattress line? What, what's that? They're it was on the Canucks because they're the the Sedin twins. So there's two twins and a king. Because what they? Oh my the god! It's too, <laughs> it's too clever. It's too clever. Right? Too clever. Yeah, no, yeah. no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, you see, they're clever. all prime numbers, and so yeah. prime time, and so we call it must watch. <laughs> yeah, prime time. And so we call it the, the must watch line. It's I think like, prime time about? was another name for. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, give me a sports team, and I'll come up with a nickname for them. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. How about well, new one, a new team. Oh well, I got to come up with a new team. Okay, name? do you know you know um, Washington Washington football team or the Redskins? Yeah. So they've changed that now. Really? Why? I don't know. <laughs> chicken. Were they just called the Washington shit. team for a while. They were. They just called Washington, which is a better name than what they chose, which is the Washington Commanders. It's pretty awful, in my opinion. For one thing, I think you should try and keep like to the name, like like okay, you had R sound, so it should be like the Washington Rebels. Yeah. You know, like something that Commanders that's, is tough because I. First thing that comes to mind is Master and Commander. Yeah. But you can't call them the Masters. That's terrible. <laughs> Commanders. Oh, yeah. boy. That is tough. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think most names, I just feel like, I don't want to like say things were better in the past, but I feel like in the past, journalists were more, had more fun with this sort of stuff, you know? And sure. were, were probably drunk. <laughs> so then, you know, like these names sort of popped into their head because they're like half, half, half baked. Sure, sure. And, you got to uh, fill some time. Yeah. And so, you know, like the Steel Curtain or the Purple People Eaters. I, I wish I could think of more. There's other other ones that are great. Okay. But um, let me look up the book. Maybe. Okay. I'm going to write that down now. Your favorite, uh, your favorite sports. Sports uh, team name? Sports team, sports team nickname or, or okay. sports nickname, I guess I should say. Okay. You know, well. Slammin' Sammy Sosa or. All right. So, so, you know, okay, let's just, let's just go through team names. Okay. And we'll come up with like, uh, you know, uh, nicknames for something that the team would do. Okay. So like Bear. The Bears. Okay. okay, it's Mullen time. <laughs> okay, you know, now it's Mullen time. Okay, sure, okay so the sure. Bengals. Bengals. Uh, how about uh, Cat Scratch Fever? Nice. Okay, uh, the 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 Buccaneers. The Buccaneers. Oh, time to make them walk the plank. Shake your booty. Shake your booty is excellent. <laughs> okay, uh, Cowboys. Cowboys. Um, we don't give two bucks. Not lovely. The do- <laughs> the Dolphins. The Dolphins. Okay. Uh, we're gonna have sex with you because <laughs> the dolphins like doing that. Okay. Okay. Uh, Panthers. Panthers. Um, oh, we're, we're, we kind of did it with the tigers. Yeah, it's kind of hard. All right, um, let's do the Patriots. Patriots. Oh, okay. It's time for a Patriot Act. <laughs> um, no, that's I don't know about Patriots. It's act. time for our manifest destiny. <laughs> Patriots is a pretty corny name. How about? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Okay. How it, about the, it only takes a minute. No, I don't know. Lovely. How about Vikings? Vikings. Oh. Um, here comes the pillaging. <laughs> well, the Vikings are the purple people eaters, so it's hard to hard to better that. Um, how about uh, yeah? Okay, the Saints. They go marching in. Nice. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Lovely. We're, we're we're in a roll. Why are we in journalism? Completely in a roll. 
<laughs> I was uh, watching a really good um, episode of uh, Documentary Now. Oh, yeah, yeah. A parody of uh, When We Were Kings. Oh, yeah, so you showed me that John- one. You showed yeah, me that yeah. one. Yeah. And uh, I just love that they had Jonathan Price, who was like uh, you know, a sports journalist who kept coming up with clever things and just <laughs> pissing his friend off. That's what just that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, yeah, and he was playing that kind of journalist that I think is, and particularly a British journalist, I think, because Britain, Britain more than any other country in the entire world, and the English language is part of it, of course, they really uh, admire, reward wordplay. Like, they like that mm-hmm. in England. Like, if you do that... Well, in, they invented English in Eng- England. They, they're the ones who created the language, yeah. yeah. So they, they have the right to bend it to their will. Yeah. But I feel like in North America, if you do some wordplay, people groan. And they just groan automatically. They don't even yeah. care that yeah. the, uh, the wit of it or anything. They just... You cannot show that you're being clever. Yeah. And they just like, oh, puns. You know, it's the easiest humor, puns. You're like, no, no. The easiest humor is sarcasm. Right. That's the easiest humor because you're just repeating something in a tone of voice. Well, fart jokes. <laughs> are very hard to do. Are they? Yeah. They just wait. Well, you think it's so. It's going to happen. You think so, but then... It you, could become a shark joke. It could become a shark joke. Exactly. <laughs> There's a lot of control there. You can go too you, far. You got you to have to you have to know how to rein it in. Mm. Or otherwise, you know, it takes on a whole other color. And you don't want that. Okay. So say you're uh, William Shakespeare. I'm William Shakespeare. All right. We're done. <laughs> You win. There's a dollar. Uh, so yeah. you're William Shakespeare, and you're at the Globe Theater, and you're performing your show. Yeah. And you've got uh, the Hoity Toys who are in the seats, in, and yeah. then you've got uh, the rabble, the Groundlings, the Groundlings. Who, yes, that's what they were called. Oh, is that right? Were, yeah, the Groundlings are the ones that were standing. I see in the uh, in the standing area. Yeah, and they're watching the pit and the pit. And so uh, they're watching the show, and so there was a lot of humor that was like la di da, but then mm-hmm. there was also a lot of bass humor. Yeah, and whatever. Yeah. You wonder, sure. like, was there ever puns? Because there's a lot of puns. Oh, there's a lot of puns in Shakespeare. Yeah. Were there puns, though, that, that, that the audience would then go, boo! <laughs> I don't like, think so. Like, oh, come on. Well, maybe. I mean, because oh, I think in Shakespeare, there's different levels of humor. So sure. There probably, sure were some, there, is. there probably were some groaners that got, like, huge laughs from the pits. Yeah. But up in the stalls, they're like, oh, oh brother. Oh, tell you. This is, oh, oh so low. But then, you know, when he, like, but maybe, maybe it's the other way around. Maybe... To people who are standing, the groundlings, maybe they love the like the drunk guard, you know, monologuing on for three pages. Sure, that was hilarious to them. Well, so people in the in the who are sitting are just kind of like, ugh. Yeah, I just want these like, low it, characters. Something you never see in say uh, Shakespeare in Love or an old timey movie that takes place in that time period is you know or, like, the audience Marvel. reaction. Yeah, the audience. Re- well, the re- <laughs> audience reaction is like, ah, yes, you're all yeah. It's that. <laughs> But there isn't like a joke that goes and like, oh come on, yeah, yeah, boo, <laughs> boo to that. Don't care for that yeah, joke yeah. at all. Or, or even like, must have been. but even like having uh, Shakespeare like tell tell a, a potential joke to like Christopher Marlowe or something, right? And have a Marlowe say, oh no no no, that's no no no, you can't you can't do that. You, yeah, and then Bacon's you need to work going, on that a What's bit. What's the joke? It's like we're, stop stealing it, Bacon. <laughs> You know, people are going to credit me for your plays in a couple hundred yeah, years. Yeah, you stay off to the side, Bacon. You're a side of Bacon, Bacon. <laughs> One day I'll have a great-great-grandson named Kevin, and he'll be a great man. I'm like, sure you will. Sure you will, Bacon. Shut up, you. Yeah. Go over there next to next to Hash Browns. That's right. <laughs> Shakespeare says to Marlowe, you've only written one play. He says, "Yeah, but they're going to credit me with your plays in a couple hundred years, so don't worry about it." Was that uh, was that Doctor Faustus? Doctor Faustus, yeah. And then Marla goes, "So did I." And like everyone's written it. 
No, no, I'm talking about Marlowe. Okay, well, didn't Bacon write a Faust? Two people wrote Faust. So uh, who who were those two? Uh, are you thinking of the German, like Gita? I guess so. Is I Faust? know there was like Faustus and there was... Uh, there's Dr. Faustus by, by Marlowe. Right. And there's another Faust that was I written by a British, so. yeah, yeah, British yeah, yeah, author? Yeah. Dr. Faustus, know. that's right, Marlowe. And yeah. then there's Faust, hold it. Yeah, there's another famous Faust. Yeah, the, by the German poet yeah, yeah, Gita. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah. Right, and so that doesn't count. We're not counting that. Well, it doesn't really work for a for a joke because a I joke. can't imagine the guy from the Vic- doesn't work the nineteenth century work for the joke. In the Elizabethan uh, era. <laughs> okay, well, what have you we made know, a deal the with milieu, the devil? What have you made a deal with the devil? There is in the Oxford English Dictionary. There is a word. Don't ask me what the word is because I can't remember now. But it is a word that's only in one loca- one place in all of English, and it's in a Christopher Marlowe play. And it's like an interjection. It's like tha or thwa or something like that. Okay. And uh, it's in the Oxford English Dictionary. But it doesn't occur in... It, I don't know, you'll never hear anyone say it. And it only appears in one place, and that is in a play by Marlowe. I assume Dr. Faustus. But he must have written other things. That, he probably wrote other things that are lost to us now. Christopher it's like, Marlowe? It's like silent movies where like 90% of them are gone, right? Let's see. Let's, let's take a look. Kit. Kit Marlowe. Oh, you call him Kit? Yeah, that's what they called him. Yeah, that's right. I call him Bobby De Niro. Do you? <laughs> do you? Okay, fair enough. Well, I, you know, I do, feel like do, a familiarity do, 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 with Marlowe because. All right, I gotta actually take this to a better uh, browser. I, uh, me and you know, me and Marlowe were both <laughs> underachievers, you know, so we're both together in this. Uh... Um, that just reminds me of when I was uh, uh, working, sort of, not too much, but on a show called <laughs> Pilot One. Yes. And uh, they had a guy who was on uh, 21 Jump Street. And so he started telling stories about Johnny Depp. Okay. And like how the two of them were doing acid and all this stuff. And I was yeah. like, none of this is appropriate to tell on a TV show. <laughs> none of it. None of it. What are you doing? What are you, crazy? What's wrong with you? Have you ever been on a TV show? I can't do this. Just like, yeah, we're doing this, that, and the other. Shut up. Shut up. And uh, yeah. But it was a it was a cool show. So It'll, they, it'll uh, all come out of this trial. Okay, so he did uh, notable work: uh, Hero and Leander, okay, uh, Toberlin the Great, okay, Edward the Second, mm. of course, the tragical history of Doctor Faustus, yeah, and uh, Dido, uh, Queen of Carthage. Oh, you know, quite a few. Yeah, there you go. That, that just was shows... the, that was what Fido Dido, <laughs> uh, you may know from the Seven Up ads, yeah, was based on. Sure. Also Dido. did um, uh, the Jew of Malta. Also did The Massacre at Paris. Okay. Are those lost and, works? And Fast and Furious 6. <laughs> That's weird. Put a lot of work into yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, sorry. Fast and Furious 6 was loosely based. Loosely based. On uh, Dido. Yeah. Queen of Carthage. On Fastest and Furious. <laughs> furious. That's right. Yes. Part 2. There is Toberlin Part 1 and Toberlin Part 2, uh, you know, there as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Huh. Nice. Did they mention any lost works? Uh, it's curious. This is I guess if they're point. lost, we don't know. But yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Let me see if there's any unknown works. No, nothing. Doesn't mention any any no. unknown works. Oh, okay. No. I guess that's for later people to to surmise. Yeah, he was a, he was arrested at some point for being a vampire. Yep, that was why. Yeah, that's what I thought. According to the TV show Discovery of Witches, really? Did they go with the they idea Marlo, that he was a vampire? They have Marlowe in there, and he's a vampire. All right. Like a full-on turn into a bat, mist, uh, hang out with wolves, a <laughs> couple of wives crawling I up the don't wall. No, they have their own best kind of friend version. eating bugs. They have their situation. own version of they have their own version of uh, vampires. And let me just say that it's more boring than than your version. Okay. There's here's, a, there's here's, are like industrialists who bite people on the neck. 
You know, Ren- Renfeld. Renfeld, yep. Which not- Renfeld's a crazy guy, right? Yeah, he's a guy that eats bugs. He's the one who goes there first before before Harker. Yeah. Uh, and uh, kind of falls under his sway and what have you. And then later on, yeah. does a good turn and actually warns everybody about stuff. And that's when Dracula goes, ooh, you, and kills <laughs> kills him when he's in the crazy house. Yeah. Um, but here's the thing. if, if, if He's eating bugs. Yes. That's a good guy to have around. like In your he, house. In your house. Like, yeah, he's yeah. just a bug-eating guy. And yeah. so, like, you know, he's going to take care of your bugs. <laughs> Take care of your bug problem. That's pretty good. Like you know what? No, I'm gonna like he should live for free. I feel in like your uh, Dracula era house. I you know that sounds like a good thing, but sure I feel does. like you are ignoring. You're getting rid of the symptoms, but you're not taking care of the cause. Which is what? Whatever. All I don't the know. corpses? Might be. Could but be. there's no corpses because here's you might why. have some corpses in your like in your wall. I don't think so. They're causing the flies to come around. No, I, th- I don't think so because you got a you got a Dracula around, right? Maybe you're not like taking your compost out enough. No, a Dracula is going to be like uh, draining uh, people and turning them into vampires. Yeah. So they're not going to be corpses that will be rotting. Yeah. They're going to be vampires. Now that's its own problem. I'll give you that. Can I ask you this? But question? they're not going to be rotting. That's yeah. the thing. Like, it, there's yeah. Go ahead. Would he uh, get rid of fruit flies for you? That's a lot of work. It's going to take a long time. Yeah. Like what he might do is he might lie on the ground with a banana in his mouth (laughs) and just wait. (laughs) That's a good good trap by They call him crazy, but there he is. He's lying on the floor. Yeah, there's method to his madness. (laughs) You're like, oh, he's crazy. Oh, no, he's not. He's obviously a a genius. Yeah. And if he's played by Tom Waits, you could ask him to do like something from Swordfish Trombone. Yeah. Like, or, uh, you know, Tom, who's Frank's Wild Years. Or, you sure. know, any of his albums. Any of the kind of mid-period yeah. ones that I liken to a, a bunch of cookie trays falling down the steps in a barn. Sure, 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 yeah. sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Or, That's or, the sound know, he was going for. They said, what do you want this to sound like, Tom? And he said, uh, if you can make it sound like cookie trays falling down the wooden steps in a barn, I'd appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. And then he'd uh, eat a cockroach. <laughs> and you're like, good. <laughs> Like that is okay. Time for the big useful time. Useful monsters. Yeah, <laughs> he's a useful monster. But he's not a monster. Mm. He's a man who has been broken by a monster. Okay, I feel like he's got a connection to Dracula. That yeah, you're right. I guess he doesn't have any like. Do you have to have powers to be a monster? I think you have to have powers. Like it just can't be a. I mean, you can be a monster, but he's not like he's a killer or something like that. He's just eating flies and he's. Lost his well, marbles. he was luring people to Dracula. He was helping Dracula. Yeah, yeah, but he's in his sway. He's like in a throw. He's like a slave. Yeah, but he's a slave who wants to be a slave. Is he a slave who wants to be a slave? I think so. I think like he was down. You feel like you're judging him. Well, like he wanted to be. A, I believe he wanted to be a vampire. If I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. But the reason he ate bugs was yeah, yeah. because he would get their life energy yeah. from the bugs. Sure. And was working his way up to people. <laughs> Not that Dracula ever like <laughs> such a long way to go. Like, what's next? Well, you got to start in the mailroom, right? So you do and, bugs? That's, that's kind of the thing. Do you bugs? Do you go to, like, mo- like mollusks and like snails? You go to, like, a squirrel. Oh, oh, you, oh, you jump all the way to squirrel. Oh, From oh. bugs to squirrels? Well, I go, I, I, I go bugs to, like, snails. You're right. Yeah, yeah. And slugs. And then mice. And then, and then you know, go into, like, a squirrel or a mouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then work your way up to a raccoon. Sure. Or a fox, I yeah. suppose, if you're in England or the Europe. Yeah. I don't think they have raccoons there. No. And uh, so you're working up to a fox. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, a lady. That's a big um, jump. But a foxy lady. <laughs> okay, that makes work sense. work your way first I'm sorry, from a I fox see. to a foxy yeah, lady. Yeah, yeah. Or he just plays the record by Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. Okay. Foxy. <laughs> foxy. And then he just eats albums. <laughs> wow. Yeah. 
I don't want them. I don't want them around my house. There was okay. I was not a huge fan of the Hellraiser series. Um, yeah, because it's all it's all based around the look of one character. And then nail you, nail face, <laughs> pinhead. Yeah, but once, but once you see that, then you're just like, okay, I get it. Right. So I think by the third movie, there was a character. Yeah. And they had let's say run out of ideas at this point. Okay. Pretty pretty much. Yep. And um and and I believe if I'm remembering correctly, and you correct me. Listeners, if I'm wrong, yeah. But they, uh, they, we're not going to fact check. Fact check this. They were also part CD player. That's right. And I think they shot CDs out of their face. That's right. Yeah. That's when you knew that. No, I mean, now, I felt like that with and, the first movie, though. But how tough is it then for that? Uh, 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 you know, uh, Cenobite. I want to <laughs> give them, call them what they are. Mm-hmm. They're not a human anymore. They're a Cenobite. No, no. Are they a monster? I guess they're a monster. Oh, yeah, they're a monster. They're shooting, For sure, sure. They're shooting, shooting CDs them. out of their face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's monsters. They got superhuman powers. You're they're right, immortal. You're right. um, but, like, then later on, like, uh, you know, they're like, uh, are people still using CDs? No. Oh, fuck. No, I, I got this forever. Yeah. You know, and well, then there's should... a guy who's like a zoetrope monster who's like, <laughs> what do you mean it's moved on? What's wax cylinder yeah, face? Like What's he going to do? Yeah, like old timey, yeah, yeah. Wa- the, there's old waxy that's over there, <laughs> all like eight track puss, you know, who's over there. And they're all like, I know. Yeah. It, it, this is the mistake. Yeah. Right? Isn't that right? iPod shuffle, bo- uh, right? <laughs> Poor eight track guy he has to stop halfway through and turn over. Yeah. 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 Well, I feel that's the, that's my problem with um, the movie just ma- named um, was that sense of like Pinhead. You're like, okay, that's cool, and then everything else after that is like dumb. And you're like, these are all dumb. This is like the dumbest thing. Like, I don't understand. Like, why why do these even exist? Like, how or why do these things exist? It well, make there was sense. one. Okay, there's one thing I liked in the second movie, uh, which was. By the way, I thought you didn't like horror movies. I don't like them. So there's one thing I liked in the second <laughs> okay. movie where. They got transformed back into their human forms. Okay. So you know you got the guy who was pinhead, and he becomes like uh, the Larry. guy who was from World War One and all okay. this stuff. Yeah. And then like one of the Cenobites, who's a real gross-out Cenobite, yeah, uh, turns into a kid. Hmm. It's like, oh, he was a kid. Oh, geez. Oh, that's disturbing. Thinking like a okay. whole time. Yeah, yeah. He was this kid that was uh, going through this, and it was like, oh, that's a disturbing situation. Uh, but uh, effective horror-wise for me. Okay. Unfortunately, that was the one where they revealed. What like the big villain was, which was like this uh, floating, I think, like pyramid called Leviathan that was behind everything. And I was like, hey, all right, okay, yeah, that's the way it is. Eh? All right, fair enough. There we go. Yeah. And then next film, CD face, <laughs> Discman. The next film, it's just called Discman. Next film, I think, yeah. in space. Mm. And uh, next film, I don't know. They've re- they've re- redone it, and instead of an S and M theme now. Uh, they've kind of uh, made it about because it was like S and M kind of sexuality, yeah. uh, but they've now made it about uh, addiction. So they've made it about like drug addiction, and that's okay. like kind of the core of it. Which uh, some people who like this sort of thing go, yeah, it's a it's a good way of going on this. But uh, I do not care for for it. Though I, I used to I used to watch movies that I didn't like. Because what are you going to do? Not watch a movie? Okay, okay. Since that time, less so. I don't do. I You're don't more do choosy. I'm more choosy, and also I don't like them. These things living in my head, like yeah, 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 yeah. I was trying to watch a movie on Shutter called Lux Eterna. It's a Gaspar Noé film. Do you know Gaspar Noé? The name, the name sounds familiar. I, did he do Pumpkinhead? No, no, no. He did like oh, Enter the a, Enter the Void. Okay, no, I don't know. And, which I've never seen. But someone, I was talking to someone about this yesterday, and they're like, "Have you seen Enter the Void?" And I said, "No." And they said, "You should see that." Um, I watched a movie by him called Climax. 
that came out a couple years ago okay. about a dance troupe who are kind of celebrating the end of their the end of their run of their shows and they ha- or maybe they're graduating. I can't remember now. But they're celebrating something and they have like a punch and someone spikes it with hallucinogens. And so they start hallucinating and it's kind of uh, horrible and but they're also dancing. So it's kind of weird. But anyway, he does he likes to like do a lot of like camera tricks and flashing lights and 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 uh, so anyway, this movie Lux Eterna it stars Beatrice Dahl and Charlotte Gainsbourg. It's in French, and they play two actresses named Beatrice Dahl and Charlotte Gainsbourg, who are performing in a movie about witches. And the film is almost entirely split screen, with both screens talking at the same time in French with subtitles. <laughs> so you're like trying to follow okay, what's happening. Right, it's very right. difficult. It's probably not super important what they're saying, but you're kind of compelled to try and read it. And and I've just I've been too tired to like get very far with it though, because I keep like nodding off. Probably because my brain is like overloaded with trying to figure out what everyone's saying. Because sometimes people are speaking in English in one side and people are speaking in French in the other. And then another time they're both speaking French and there's subtitles going on. And, and like the actresses are playing like versions of themselves. And, uh, it seems like a fun idea. And I, I think, and I fell asleep and like later on there was like flashing lights. I'm like, Oh, okay. It's a Gaspar Noe film. Now I know, but uh, so I know what to expect. Flashing lights are coming, but, but yeah, I just, I keep, I guess I'm, uh, we've been working overtime at work. So. I've been getting up at, I guess I was getting up early anyway to go to the gym, but I'm staying late at work and like going in early to work and staying late at work and then coming home and like crashing in front of the TV. It's one of the things where like, normally if I nod off watching television, Mm -hmm. I like, I nod off, like I fall asleep for a second, wake up. Yeah. And then I like, oh, I I should go to bed, but I'm too lazy to get up, fall asleep again, wake up, and then just finally go down for the third count out for a while. But this has been like, I'm watching something and then I wake up, it's 1230. (laughs) So yeah. That's a different different sort of thing. I'll get through it though. I have a question about um, Creep Show. Yeah, which we were talking we about. We were talking about it a little while ago. Yeah, right. Um, I thought we covered all your questions. Are the uh, are the segments on Creep Show? Yeah, in that movie mm-hmm. uh, equal length? No, they're all random. The random length. Yeah, Good. the longest one is the the. Crate, the creature in the crate one which i think is like okay. 40 minutes long because i was thinking like that would be a good thing for a horror movie the, one of the problems with a horror movie when i've seen things like tales from the dark side or tales from the hood yeah is they're all the same length yeah and so you know and they don't how, deserve it well that's one thing you are stretching <laughs> an idea out yeah you're getting that twilight zone problem which is i get it let's just the get hour, to it the let's hour just, long toilet let's just get to it yeah let's get to it even even the old world surly ones you're like i know yeah, i see i never felt that way you know either. i see i see where this okay. is going to go he was really enjoying himself, and he's just enjoying himself, and he's just enjoying himself. He's not in heaven, um, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, the nice thing about like uh, I think like a horror movie would be like uh, to do, uh, or an idea for a horror movie would be it's a bunch of random stories, but at different lengths, so you never know yeah. wh- at what point you are in the thing, mm-hmm. and it might like instantly be the thing, and now we're done. That's mm-hmm. that's all it is. But like when you when you know I've got a half hour here to kill, yeah, yeah. it's just like okay, <laughs> we got a lot of padding until yeah, the yeah. twist. Yeah, here's your here's your thing at the end. It's like no, no, it's just got to be the lo- the length that it should be. Sure, that's how I feel about um, t- TV shows, like uh, the Marvel TV shows and stuff like that. Like it's, they're just way too long for what they have for. Oh, I for thought content. you were going to say because a lot of times the Marvel TV shows aren't the same length of time they are well now they're doing that but the original like the netflix yeah. ones were all like 12 episodes oh yeah 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 yeah. yeah. and you just felt like man this could be like six episodes and be perfect well i'm fine. happy to get into that in a second but what uh something i really liked about the tv show the bear 
was sometimes you'd have like a full like almost hour long episode but like one of the best episodes was 20 minutes long oh, interesting. and it was just this intense episode that yeah. just was like things are getting worse things are getting worse things are getting worse and we're done we're like what 20 minutes yeah we're, we're done yeah, see yeah. you next week <laughs> like shit okay good good job now that's a good idea i get what you're saying about the marvel things not having okay because if you're treating it like it's a television show mm. like like a really well done television show. It's got a story to tell. It should just take the amount of time that it should take to tell the story. And there you go. But if it's trying to replicate the feel of a comic, like an actual comic book has a lot of filler issues mm. in it. Okay. Where it's like, we've got to fill, you know, uh, 12 issues of Spider-Man a year. Do we have 12 Spider-Man stories? Probably not. <laughs> so like one is just, uh, what's uh, J. Jonah Jameson do with his day? Yeah. I don't know. Let's follow him. Okay, let's see him and these you know things. And but those are the stories sometimes that then become people's favorite stories, which are the we don't need this story. This is just a side story. This yeah. is the yip yap. Yeah. This is the extra padding. It's the part in Dark Shadows where you know we're just filling time and, yeah. and yapping because sure. you know we haven't got a budget to go back in time <laughs> every 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 week. Uh, I mean that's the, fair, it's fair enough. It's the filler, and sometimes the filler is what makes it fair enough, but. You know, Dark Shadows is a half an hour, and mm-hmm. reading a comic is 10 minutes at most. Yeah. You know, it's not an hour yeah. of, like, you watching paint dry while actors are standing around going, what do, what do we do? I don't know. I guess I'll pretend I'm involved in some sort of corporate espionage, espionage or something. I don't, I don't it know. is different than Netflix shows as opposed to, you know, the more modern ones, which are much shorter. Yeah. yeah. They feel like, and I, I like them when they're half an hour as well. Okay. That's, that's the best. I like to... She Hulk because it was a half an hour. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's perfect. It's perfect it, time. Out, go, go. Yeah, don't stretch it out. Doesn't need it. You got good ideas. Keep them short. My only beef with She Hulk was uh, they didn't seem good at the law, and I want to see people that are better at the law in a show about the law. Like they all seem to stumble bum into the solution mm. and not try to figure things out, and they wouldn't like try something that failed a couple of times and then succeed, which yeah. you know to me is a law show situation. <laughs> like they had a guy who was like Mister Immortal. Yeah. And, you know, had all these wives. Yep. And uh, and uh, it's like, oh, he dies and comes back to life. Oh, well, the obvious thing when you're representing this guy is, mm-hmm. till death do us part. Yeah. He died. Yeah. Contract's over. Sure. Done. That's easy. And they were, But they were immediately on the side of the wives, <laughs> which I get what, I get why you would be. But, like, yeah, you're not a good lawyer. Then. But that's not your job. You're not yeah, you're you're supposed not to be unbiased. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes you got to be representing the super villain. Yeah. So, you know, let's see what that's all about. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, she represents Engorgathon. I can't remember the guy's name now. What's it? Humongous? Big Beast? Oh, the Abomination. Abomination, yeah. I really wish I'd just kept you going with his name. (laughs) Engorgathon? (laughs) I want to see that guy. And Humongous. (laughs) Yeah, I can't remember his name, but yeah. I always always forget it. I don't know why. Abomination, yeah. Like, she... She... she, Defended that guy like unbiased to what it, what he was, and that that was fine. But yeah. yeah, it seemed like in other shows, yeah, like like if you yeah you're you are um, in a law show, a legal show, you are at odds with the other lawyer, not with your not with your client. <laughs> That's how it works. You're a murderer. I can't represent you. You killed someone. Yeah. So so, but going with the the whole Marvel idea, it's like all right. So represent a uh, a supervillain. Mm-hmm. You know, so what do you do? Well, you sent the sky beam 
uh, up in the sky. <laughs> Not again. Another dimension. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's one of those. And it's like, okay. Yeah. So he, he did this. So we're arresting him. For what? For, you know, sending a sky beam up. Well, that's against the law? What's the law against shining a light in the sky? Mm. You know, tell me, tell me what's, what's the thing? Will he open another dimensional portal? Uh-huh. Yeah. And that's illegal because, sure. you know, tell me. And, and so maybe the other side has to figure out why. Oh, because there's customs issues. Yeah. Or yeah. there's this, that, and the other thing. But yeah, you've got like so many interesting ideas uh, available to you about about that kind of stuff, and they really didn't go down that road, which is too bad. Yeah, you know, you and had a, you had a character there who was like turned into a bull, yeah. <laughs> without their permission. And, like, yeah. oh, okay, is that illegal to turn a man into a bull? It feels and like that you, would be illegal. Somehow. Okay, and, but then the argument I'd make on that That's is assault, like, basically. Then the man can't. Then he can't sue. Why? Because he's more animal than man. By mm. his DNA, he's more animal than man. And a bull can't sue a man. So <laughs> that's the problem there. You know, there's so many fun sure. things you can do with this premise. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, that was my thing. But that's, again, just uh, my uh, little headcanon. I, I was wondering if the guy was uh, trying to, like, break into an alternate dimension in order to, like, set up a series of, like, bathrooms into an alternate dimension. And then the people on the other side... Uh, come through the dimension because they're objecting to this new mm. this use, you know, but he calls them portal potties, <laughs> which I think would be good. Yeah. Very nice. You don't, you're not watching Andor, are you? Uh, no, no. I'm kind of, kind of, uh, over Star Wars. Okay. Well, this is a different thing. It's not Star Wars. You know what? No, it's not. <laughs> it's, no, no, it's really there's not. There's no lightsabers or anything. Okay. Tell me the things that you would say would be Star Wars and I'll tell you if they're in there. Go ahead, hit me the first uh, one. Spaceships. Lights, lightsabers. Okay, lightsabers, yeah. No. Jedi? No. Spaceships? Uh, there's ships, yeah. And okay, they I, wouldn't say, I shouldn't say spaceships. Uh, dog fights in space. No. Um, cute robots? Um, uh, it's kind of a beat up robot. I, I guess cute. you can find them cute. cute. It's cute if you know them, maybe, but not uh, BB 8 okay. cute by yeah. any fucking means. R2D2 cute? No. Well. I mean, R2, how cute do you find R2-D2? I mean, this is a much more... He's fun. This is a much more bashed up version. He's your favorite robot. Okay, fair enough. Go ahead. Keep going. Um, Other things that are Star Wars. Star Wars-y. Yeah. Princesses? No. Any sort of royalty? No. No space royalty. Um, Are there... uh, Is there an empire? Is there an Uh, evil empire? There is. Well, I mean, the empire is around. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And and there's rebels against what's going on. For sure. sure. Yeah. There's that. Mm Mm-hmm. That's not obnoxious, but yeah. Are you watching it? Is that why you're? Yes, uh, the first you're a big fan, of, and the first couple of episodes, you go like, "Yeah, there's not a lot of Star Wars in this." Yeah, and it, and you kind of go like, "This is a bit slow," but it's de- if you're sick of Star Wars, yeah, holy shit, is this the show for you? But then it gets amazingly good, like amazingly good, and huh. there's like, I'll, I'll just say, I'll just say this without like being a spoily spoiler turn. Um, <laughs> But there's like one thing that they had to do in the in the most recent episode. We're like we're making a big plan. Yeah. We're gonna do this. And we're gonna do that. And we're gonna have to wait for this to this and that. And then they just casually at one point someone brings. Okay, so there's someone who like you know passes away, and they bring them on a floating gurney uh, by oh, yeah. Yeah. right a floating gurney, and you just go like, well that floating gurney solves all your fucking problems here. Like that just came by here, and you've just every problem you just had the floating gurney solves them all what, do we not know that there's a floating gurney there and it's just like no it's just an extra little star warsy thing that we have that's a problem don't <laughs> use the floating have them carry the gurney oh you star wars didn't you fuck this up to me yeah because if you have a floating gurney yeah not so much you could do no i think you would enjoy 
uh, and or quite a bit. Isn't it the same character from uh, Rogue One? It is. Hmm. And I didn't like Rogue One. I, I didn't like the beginning of Rogue One. I like how it ended. But my problem with uh, this situation is is the lack of or the absence of of uh, danger, like real danger. Like, oh boy, because that character can't really he, nothing can happen to that character. Oh, no, is that right? Well, yeah, because he's mm-hmm. he he dies on on and, and okay. later on. Sure, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Nothing can happen. He can't physically die. You are correct. I guess he can get he hurt. emotionally go through things. Yeah, can horrible things happen. Yeah, yeah. can you know? Uh, is that is death the worst thing that can happen to you? I guess that's yeah. Question. And have we got a whole variety of other characters that you might like? <laughs> and uh, you know, there's real danger for for those characters. It's really selling a herd. I am selling oh, it hard because it's, it's a weird it. one because I, I started to watch it and was like, yeah, this is our, yeah. Like it, <laughs> it, it, it's, it, it, when it first came out, there were three episodes and there was a reason for that. Yeah. It was because it started slow. Okay. And and it started slow because I think it had confidence in what it was. And and the third one is, is pretty action-packed, hmm. but like grounded action-packed. Yeah. And then it goes places. Like it's on the 10th episode right now. And this 10th episode was just like, shit like this is something this is something new this is actually legitimately something new and and everything is so well designed and so beautiful and the set pieces are just gorgeous and the acting is like so fucking good but there's nothing star warsy in it aside from that there's rebels and there's the empire yeah you know it it really reminds me of a 1970s british sci-fi hmm. uh movie interesting like uh, yeah, for, yeah. for the most part well, maybe I'll give it a try. I mean, I I just kind of felt like I got burned by Boba Fett, and then I got uh, yeah, it's not Boba Fett. And then I got uh, I didn't I didn't I don't hate I didn't hate the um, Obi Wan Kenobi one, but I just found it just so lacking um, any sense of danger or any sense of like yeah thrill or anything of that it this just kind could of could not be less like obi-wan yeah this could not be less like boba fett uh those are and i liked i like both of them fine yeah but like that was definitely fan fiction of fill in the blank <laughs> yeah. here's all your favorites yeah i just Take can't the stand action it figures in the backyard whereas this is <laughs> espionage can't stand uh it. great escape okay war movie mixed with 1970s uh british sci-fi hmm. and uh yeah it's like woof yeah, and I didn't like Rogue One. So like, I didn't, how come you didn't I, like Rogue One? Because because the trailer promised me different. Well, two things. Yeah, the trailer was so radically different that it felt like you didn't have confidence in the movie mm. to say this is what the movie is. Yeah, but I also I don't like, and it was one of the reasons there I, were a lot I, of reshoots in that movie. So it was also one of the reasons I, I was not a big fan of uh, Solo, which is you know you 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 had like a line in Star Wars. Which is whatever. Many Bothans died in bringing us to this, that, and the other thing. Do you say and Bothans? Is it Bothans? What is it? I think it? it's Bothans. Botans? Botans? B O T H A. You know what? It's all the translation from an alien language, so who fucking cares? <laughs> so. Scientific Bothans. What you were, what you expected to happen was what happened. And to me, when we're doing a flashback of, uh, of something, I would like to see a twist or something that I did not know. Mm. I would like the information to not be exactly what was said yeah you know so like yeah. with solo it really bothered me that you know i made this in this amount of time and i did this so I'm like okay well you know he's an unreliable narrator he yeah. could be bullshitting yeah uh and you know no no that that movie is so so cut and uh yeah that's exactly what i said and he was yeah. telling the truth oh well that's too bad that makes yeah. him a less interesting character <laughs> no uh 
where where um, Rogue One is really awful is in the fi- the very final scene where Darth Vader like beats the shit out of some people in a hallway. Yeah, and then you know he enters the spaceship, and that's supposed to take you to the first episode of first episode, the original Star Wars, yeah. where he just like walks into a hallway and picks a guy up by his but with his hand and lifts him up in the air. Yeah, and. It just feels like it's a weird come down. It's sort of like watching. Is he sleepy now? Like, did, he, did he use all his, uh, all, his... all his medical yeah, yeah. juice? It's kind of like like with Star Trek, where the 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 more like you know like the technology of the original Star Trek is like so behind where like next generation is and stuff like that. It just feels like it's not it's not even like the same world, like the same universe. It's like a different timeline well, as, of, as, of technology. As, you know, taken on its own, the Darth Vader scene is woo. But yeah. if you were to ask, like, what's the coolest part of Rogue One? Well, Darth Vader kicking ass. Okay, no, so should not, the but... Nazi be the best part <laughs> of your movie? Yeah, that's, yeah. you know, the anti-Nazi movie. Yeah, and and the the, the regular people, uh, you know, did the thing that they did, and then yeah. they had they all died. Well, the spoilers. They die. <laughs> they die. Well, many many Botans died. Uh, that's right. And it's just like Botans. And, and why did they die? Yeah. Well, they died. You know, for the cause and for this and for that. But really, because they're not the magical characters that we're interested in. Yeah. So all the regular Joes. Yeah. You know, they cack it, <laughs> and then you know, uh, space wizards up there going flippity doo, <laughs> and then he's going to fight his magic daughter, the princess who yeah. doesn't know, and the, her brother, the magic man. Yeah. You know, it's like all the all the magical characters will now show up and like we'll take it from here regular folks yeah and off you go so this show is definitely regular folks and like what's it like to be a regular folk in this world and so all the stakes are you know what what they are but to the point where if any of these characters were told you know this is all run by a cackling wizard who shoots lightning out of his fingers yeah they'd be like are you insane yeah no 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 let me tell you something about Hitler. He's uh, he goes, <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 that doesn't work at all. Yeah, I throw th- a bucket of water on him. But that's what that's where Star that Wars fry his fucking fingers. Like it's electricity, right? Throw water on him. The end. That's the end of the wizard. Done. That's his one fucking thing he can do. He can throw you throw electricity out. The end. But that's the weird part of Star Wars, right? Where the where the where the uh, Imperial officer is like poo pooing the Force. And then, like, Darth Vader's there, and you're like, but Darth Vader's there. Like, but the Does thing, Darth Vader not show the Force? But the thing is, is, like, in the context of just that movie, Darth Vader is not, he's not that big. Like, you know what I mean? He's just like a henchman. He's not, like, a commander or anything. He's just, like, some big guy who, you he's know. He's the muscle. He's the muscle, yeah. And And so it works in that kind of, and so... The idea of him being magical seems farcical to people who are in positions of like authority, because he's not in a position of authority. If he is so magical, why is he like just a muscle? Why is he just a henchman? Yeah, this is the problem. Like, it kind of would. Okay, here's how, what would kind of work. It would kind of work that you know when you see Darth Vader in Rogue One. We're spoiling Rogue One, by the way, and also Star Wars probably, <laughs> but we're not going to spoil Andor because Dave hasn't seen it. Um, but like when 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 he's at the end of Rogue One and he's snapping necks and doing yeah, all this yeah, stuff. Yeah. You could go with the idea that Vader doesn't want to show that he's got these powers mm. because, you know, 
if you show that you've got these powers, that changes a lot of shit. And you don't want the regular folks to know magic exists. Well, maybe right? that's the thing. Maybe it would revive interest in Jedi and stuff like that as like something that was real, not just like a, a legend. Yeah, yeah. If he's like constantly showing off his magic. And that could be magic. a problem yeah, too. Yeah, you know? So you yeah. don't want that. So you're just snapping necks of people that you're going to kill. So you're going to kill all these fuckers. <laughs> so it doesn't matter that yeah. you're showing. Yeah. But what you then want is the guys who are having the neck snapped going, what's he doing? But it looks like the people in the hallway are like, yeah. Oh boy, we're up against this guy. You know he can snap necks and make us float. Yeah. You know this? <laughs> you know he can do yeah. this? Because like, why are you shooting at him then? Because in in Star Wars, it feels like the Jedi's or the Force. Well, it feels like Jedi's are like a myth. Yeah. And the Force is no one not believed it. in. Like you know, like Han Solo poo poos it. Yeah. The officer poo poos it. And yeah, and it feels so people like don't see Vader people don't see. People yeah, so they don't. They don't. Like the average folks, like your people on Endor or whatever, right. they're not like they're not like oh we better watch out because we might have like evil Sith come here. Right. Like that's all just like because then it would make sense in Star Wars when when Vader walks in and is picking up the guy with his hand. Yeah, the, he doesn't want to do this in front of the stormtroopers because yeah. he want, doesn't want the stormtroopers like going back to their quarters and going. Let me see if I can move that thing with my brain because <laughs> this is how it works, right? Yeah, yeah. And maybe I was born with midichlorians and maybe I wasn't. I don't know. Let's give it a try. Like he doesn't want to do that, so he's got to yeah. like uh, around the regulars. Yeah. He's got to like tone it down. Well, not not only that, but just the mere the mere suggestion that it's real to me like would sort of undermine his power because people are gonna be like, yeah, like we've heard about Jedi, so obviously that they were real too. Like if this is if this is real, yeah. then they're real. Like right. And by the second film, by Empire, he's snapping necks like of people that he's looking at on his screen. So it's just like, okay, well, this yeah. guy's magic. That's fine. Yeah, it doesn't work as well. I mean, it's a, it's a concept that, yeah, it, has, it doesn't have legs, I guess I should say. Yeah, and then everyone's magic, and now we're having mm-hmm. magic fights. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I don't mind the magic elements of it, because I don't think of Star Wars as, as science fiction. It's space fantasy. It's a different, it's a different genre. Mm-hmm. It's not trying to be science fiction. So it's fine. Like, the magical elements are just fine with me. I don't care about that part of it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think you have to be careful though, because you've set up a world where people don't believe in it and you can't suddenly like have, uh, it being like flaunted and, yeah. and, you know, like, okay. So everyone, they all have the lightsaber fights. Everyone goes with the lightsaber fights. <laughs> but if your power as like the evil Lord of whatever yeah. is, uh, you know, you can, you can have a lightsaber fight with someone. Sure. You could. But here's something else you can do is shoot your lightning hands across a room yeah. at the guy yeah. who's across the room. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that. That'll do it, right? That'll sure. fry him. And yeah. so why are you having a lightsaber fight? What do you do? Why? Why would you do that? That makes no sense logically. Zap. That's better. <laughs> He's got no light, lightning hands. Yeah. That's not a... That's not Who a, has no lightning hands? Uh, Jedi. Jedi doesn't have lightning hand power. Is that right? That is a dark power. Yeah. Oh, okay. But yeah. they must have a defense against it. Otherwise, they'd all be dead. I think you just bring your lightsaber out and you stop it with the lightsaber. Oh, okay, okay. But I think I think like Jedi have both of them have a force push. I think if I'm remembering the video games right, and, <laughs> but the Jedi have the mind powers where they can go. You don't want to do this. Yeah, yeah. This is not a good idea. Yeah, and like oh, this is not a good idea. <laughs> I'm a big dum dum. These aren't the droids. We're, droids were like droids. These aren't these aren't the droids we're looking for. Right. You know droids. Very yeah, popular, very popular science fiction thing. These aren't the dribs we are looking drab. <laughs> what? I don't know. He's fucking with my brain. <laughs> oh boy, what a, what a thing! All yeah. right, I guess one day we're gonna have to do a a, a sidecast about Star Wars. 
How dare you? <laughs> you know what? And I'm going to call it the Star Wars two minutes. We're going to go. We're going to twice minutes? as much. <laughs> twice as much stuff. We just want to get through this faster. Yeah, we're just burning through it. <laughs> and then I've got I've got an idea for a. <laughs> I got an idea for a Dirty Harry thing, too, which I think you're going to like. It's called Five Minutes of Dickin'. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's right. Uh, let's see. Uh, Dirty Harry. No, that's nothing we're going to So, look. Yeah. What are you going to say? I was going to say, do you want to do our music bit? <laughs> yeah. That was a good segue. Yeah. Do you do the music thing? Sure. We can do that. Hey, Dave. Yeah? You know that music thing you used to do? Yeah. You used to have a podcast uh, back in the day? Yeah. Uh, Sneaky Dragon listening party, and you'd uh, pick a theme and you play some songs. Sure. And, uh, do Babu, we'd all have a dance party here. <laughs> yeah. Good times had by all. Yeah. Everyone have a nice time. Okay. It was, uh, people would come up and they'd go, It's time for dragging your ass around the room. That's what they so Popular it. dance. Popular dance. The dragon the ass. Everyone's doing the Sneaky Dragon. Yeah. Ooh, I'd like to see someone do a, a dance called the Sneaky Dragon. Yeah, is it related to the. Everybody urban? doing the Sneaky Dragon. Here's how you do it shake your wagon. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. Okay, uh, this actually. Apolo- so we recreate it anyway. Apologies. Every every other week, <laughs> and this is what we're doing right now. Apologies to uh, horse mystery fans because we were quite late this week. Okay. With the show from last week, actually. What is horse mystery, Dave? Well, horse mysteries is a show I do with my lovely wife, Lisa. Tell me about it while I eat candy. She, uh, it's a basically a true crime or a mystery podcast. So this most recent episode was a medical mystery where we look at uh, uh, interesting, a series of horse deaths, mysterious horse deaths that were had to be investigated. But um, yeah, I gotta say the least the least fun thing that could happen when you do a podcast happened to us, which is our show disappeared after we recorded. Oh, we've had the worst. We've had it. We've had it many times, and it's a terrible thing. It, it is part of pro- podcasting, unfortunately. It seems you should do a mystery show about uh, where those podcasts <laughs> where those freaking podcasts go, but. Um, yeah, so like we kind of, we, well, we overcame my international travel and subsequent jet lag mm-hmm. or just tiredness. Um, we went away for the weekend right. for Lisa's birthday. Happy birthday, Lisa. I'll, I'll thank you. I'll thank you for her and on behalf of her. Um, then we, we lost the show. We lost the original show. Ooh. So then we had to record it. And then, uh, this was just a bunch of garbage. Anyway, so we, oh, and then we had a power outage. We had 22 hour power. Power outage at our oh house. Oh my god! Yeah, it was crazy. We had a power outage too, but not that long. Okay, how long? Like yours was a couple hours, or a couple hours? It did blow out our cable box. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. So you had a, a surge, a power surge. Yeah, which was a drag because uh, it had uh, some old news stories about Pia on it. Oh. Like, uh, so we lost all those. Yeah. We also lost all the Why the Last Man uh, recordings we did with the original commercials, which we kind of wanted to have. Oh, okay. So those are all gone as well. So it was a drag. And then yeah, uh, the, the cable company said, okay, we'll send you out uh, a new PVR box. They sent one, but it wasn't a PVR. It was just a cable box. So you couldn't record anything. Oh. It was like, well, we can't watch Chef when it's on. Yeah. What are we? What are we? Pilgrims? <laughs> Phil- so, Listen, yeah. Pilgrim. Um, so, yeah. So we had a 22-hour power, 22-hour power outage. So that was no fun. The, the worst thing of it was uh, the ice started melting in the freezer. And it was pouring out of the ice dispenser in the Oof. fridge. Yeah, I never, never thought of that as a thing that would happen. So I had to take the ice out and dump it away. And I was all sad because, you know, it takes you a while to, to build your ice yeah. your ice reserve up. So I have to redo that now. But anyway, we did get it out. We got the show out. And then I had to get the sh- songs ready. And I was thinking, I've been thinking about this for a while, which is that there was a lot of Eloise songs in the 60s. Unfortunately, mm. there was less than I thought <laughs> by one. So... 
I have the Eloise songs that I wanted to play, and I just couldn't find another one that I liked very much. And so I had to kind of like throw in one from the 50s. But that's okay. That's okay. fine. That's fine. It'll all work out. It'll, it, you know, it's fine. So anyway. So these are all songs based on Eloise. These are all, yeah, the name Eloise. So not necessarily the character Eloise, but there is one based on the yep. po- apparently popular children's book, yeah, Eloise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I never knew. Like when the girls were little, I did not know that series. Oh. We never read it as a family. Okay. It wasn't until much later that I discovered that it was a thing. And it's more because the writer of it was of interest to me because of something different. But we'll talk about that when we get mm-hmm. to that song. Because we're not going to start with that song. Okay. We're going to start with a different Eloise. I thought I'd start with maybe the most obvious track, which is uh, probably by the most popular band of all the bands that we're talking about here. And this is The Hollies. And this comes... It well, I think it will... <laughs> It's a weird. I thought the song was a single, and I th- I think it was released as a single in Canada, but it wasn't released as a single in England, for instance. It was just an album track, so I I put it as an album track. So this is from their album Butterfly that came out in 1967, and this is Dear Eloise. This is the the Hollies. So let's uh, let's give a listen. Here we go, everyone. Okay. <laughs>
Smooth. I enjoyed it. it you enjoyed it, smooth. yeah. Yeah, yeah. This was uh, easy to listen to. <laughs> this was the last album to feature Graham Nash as a member of the Hollies. Oh, he quit the group after this album. Uh, it was said as a, in a dispute over their next album being a collection of covers of, of Bob Dylan songs because mm. he felt like they should continue writing original music, but. What's interesting is this album, Butterfly, is basically all the songs are written by not Graham Nash, by a different member of the group whose name now has popped out of my my brain. I'm sorry, and and so yeah, he wrote all this all the songs on the album, and I wonder if maybe Graham Nash was a little choked that he wasn't he couldn't get his songs on the album, and maybe that's why he did a bit of a swan. Okay, would it be? Up. I'm going to read you members of okay. the okay uh, Tony Hicks. Yes, Tony Hicks, yeah. Okay. Tony Hicks wrote the songs in this album and uh, did most of the singing as well. And so that kind of cut Graham Nash out as well. Graham Nash still did the, his wonderful harmonies, but he didn't get to sing any of the songs. And I think the song that he wrote, King Midas in Reverse, isn't on this album, but it was just like a single. But anyway, he left the Hollies and he went and, and formed Crosby, Stills, and Nash. So, you know, he did all right. He did okay. They both did okay. The Hollies went on to fair success. <laughs> they later wrote a, they did a, a CCR song. Oh, okay. A song that everyone thinks is by CCR, but it isn't CCR. Was it? Uh, it like? It's We Are CCR. No, no. I can't remember the name of it exactly. It's like, it's not Long Black Woman, but it's something like that. Or Long Black Dress or whatever. You know that okay. song? That, you know, it sounds like a CCR song, but it's not. It's like it's the Hollies. Okay. But anyway, like if you, if you heard the song, you'd be like, oh, isn't that CCR? And you'd be like, no, it's not. But anyhow. Um, so that's the first song. So that's from 1967, Dear Eloise. So now we're going to like take a step back in time off of what I wanted to do is like a big theme because I thought there was all these songs with Eloise in the in the in the title from the sixties. Long and, cool woman in a black dress. That's the song. Yeah, yeah. And if you heard that song, long cool woman in a black dress. Yeah, you'd be like, yeah, you'd be like, oh, that's a that's CCR, isn't it? And yeah. And if I walked into a bar and they were playing that, I'd turn around and walk out. I'm in trouble. <laughs> I don't want to be in here. <laughs> that's a, yeah. it's, a, it's a bad bar. So uh, our next song is uh, this is by Kay Thompson. Okay. Who it has an interesting career, actually, because she, I first knew her name because she was the performance coach for the Arthur Freed unit at MGM. Do you know what the Arthur Freed unit was? I do not. Well, the Arthur Freed unit was the group of people who put together all of the great Hollywood musicals from MGM. So Singing in the Rain, okay. The Bandwagon, uh, The Pirate, you know, and um, Meet Me in St. Louis, all those movies. Okay. You know, if they had singing... And dancing involved in them. A lot of them are produced by Arthur Freed. And he had like a group of people who worked with him, like Roger Edens and Kay Thompson would be an example of this. And uh, other ones like the composer Andre. Oh, man, so close to remembering his name. And it's just gone out of my head. And oh, anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, but, you know, writers like um, uh, Adolf, Adolf Green and uh, Green and... What was the lady's name? Damn, I can't remember. But he had like a group of people he worked with sure. a lot, right? And so they sort of made up this unit. And Kay Thompson's job, Roger Eden was, a, he was uh, the arranger. He did all the arrangements and stuff that of songs. And he would put together the, he would record the the instrumental backing that would be played on on stage so that the singers could sing along with 
although they would pre-record the stuff, they would sing along with their with their vocals and things. And that was all done by Roger Edens. But what Kay Thompson's job was was to make you into a person who acted like a singer. And would oh, perform okay. as a singer, right. and so you were big, and you would have because a lot of people big gestures, right? Because a lot of the people who came, you know who came to these films weren't necessarily like musical performers; they were actors who could sing a little bit, and they were put into these films, and so they had to be coached into how to be a, a stage performer sure. or how to act like you're a singer, and that was Kay Thompson's job there. And then I guess she kind of you know she was there for a number of years, and then she decided that she wanted to go back to pursuing her own solo like as a singer she wanted to be on stage she was a stage performer that's why she could teach people how to perform but she was a ham as well like sure. and she's one of those ladies you know like when you think of like a 50s lady who's very thin very kind of uh, aristocratic looking would have like the cigarette in a holder you know long necked and and you know that whole kind of and she kind of sang cabaret stuff right and she sang, um, she was backed by the Williams brothers, that Andy Williams was one of the, oh, a member okay. of that, of the Williams brothers. And they backed her, and then they actually had a romantic time together. He, he and Kate Thomas, although she was quite considerably older than him, but probably good for his career in terms of connections and stuff. So I imagine it worked both ways. But, um, and then in the midst of that, she wrote these Eloise stories, apparently based on Liza Minnelli, who was a little girl then. Her goddaughter, yeah. Yeah. And so she and wrote these. She was her, yeah, she. They said like it was her imaginary friend when she was growing up. Eloise? Yeah, Eloise, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. So she created this elaborate scenario of this little girl who was her imaginary friend and yeah. she lived yeah. on the plaza, uh, New York Plaza, you know, top floor penthouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so uh, drawn by Hillary Knight, the artist Hillary Knight. Yeah. And um which once again I didn't really know very much about it. I watched a documentary about him about Hillary Knight. Um apparently kind of got screwed over by her. I think she I think she Felt like he was getting too much credit, and so she stopped doing the books. Oh, okay. And then she cruelly left him out of her will. Nope. And did not like didn't kind of turn over the the estate to to him as the kind of co-creator of it, which is a little shitty. But anyway, sometimes people are divas, and that's just the way it is. But anyway, she was a performer. Yeah, she was in the movie Funny Face. She was. I think she was also uh, Aubrey Hepburn. Aubrey Hepburn. Yeah. And Fred Astaire. Yeah. Okay. I th- yeah, that's right. That's right. She is. Uh, I think she's also an American in Paris. I could be wrong, though. Um, anyway, uh, so let's listen to this song because, you know, you guys haven't probably heard this song. This is uh, from 1956. 1956. This is called Eloise. And I have this song because I have a collection called The, uh, Cadent, uh, the Cadence Record Story, Volume 2. I don't know why I have that. But anyway, this is where it's from. So let's give a listen. This is uh, Kay Thompson. Here we go. everybody's business in New York. I spend an enormous amount of time in the lobby. I have to see what's going on there. Who's on the telephone most of the day? I have to call room service a lot and tell them to charge it, please, and thank you very much. Who's in and out and up and down and in everybody's way? That's what Mr. Salamone says, and he ought to know. He's the manager, for Lord's sake. Who's up at break of day creating a terrible racket in the halls? Sometimes I take two sticks and skitter them along the woodwork. Who has a lovely way of writing her name in lipstick on the walls? My mother is 30 and wears a three and a half shoe. 
Who's the little darling who'll drive you out of your head? But you love her just the same. After all, I'm only six. Who's the little girl who's only good when she's in bed? Eloise is her name. That's me, Eloise. Eloise, Eloise. Eloise. That's Nanny. She's my nurse. She's English and wears tissue paper in her dress. And you can hear it. Eloise, what are you doing? Here's the thing of it. I have to open that window wider because there's this pigeon who keeps hanging around out there and I'm gonna squonk him in his head. Eloise, what are you doing, doing, doing? Come in off that ledge, my dear, and close the windows at once before we all freeze, freeze, freeze. Well, Nanny, actually I am rather tired, tired, tired. Good night, my dear. Good night, Nanny. Good night, Eloise. Eloise, Eloise. Oh, my Lord. There's so much to do. Tomorrow, I think I'll pour a pitcher of water down the mail chute. Eloise. That's me. Eloise. All right. Also, if you were a fan of Dr. Demento, he he had this song in his, his oh, collection is that right? as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very much like uh, like the uh, sitcom opening. Like mm. it's just like yeah, yeah. You know, it's like all right, here comes all here the comes, characters, uh, all the voices, here, all the voices, all the things. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a nice novelty song. It's fun. Yeah, I understand. That makes sense that Dr. Demento would play it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right up yeah. his alley. Exactly. Yeah, it's pretty much a novelty song. I never, yeah, I never read the uh, Eloise books either. They're wonderfully. I can, uh, dr- I, the drawings I are wonderful. I confuse them with like uh, Madeline and all those. Yeah, kind of yeah. Kind of- we, we read Madeline. That's Ludwig Bemelmans, I think, did those ones. But we never. Um, I never. Yeah, never encountered Eloise because basically all the books that I read to the girls were books I bought at Valley Village. Like I would just go in, I would just kind of scour the the uh, kids area and look for books that were interesting, and I would often just look for like. 50s style so it was um, all like time life uh, search for sasquatch that's <laughs> exactly what i find fascinating and they never found him <laughs> dun, dun, anyway dun. good night he lives outside <laughs> good night sleep well lock your lock your windows no i tended to i tended to buy the little golden books because i love the art style sure, sure. so much that yeah, 50s style is just so there were so many great artists from that time that pokey little puppy he wants his custard pokey little puppy can eat custard you fools <laughs> they, they can't process lactose I used to know all the artists' names for the for those books too, and I can't remember now because there was a particular like guys who would do like like Tibor, a guy named Tibor Gurgly. I'm not mispronouncing his name, I'm sure. Would do all of the like sort of like truck books. You know, here here come the trucks. Or he did a wonderful one called uh, Fireman, which is just like a beautiful. I've showed you. Yeah, really well, really well drawn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just wonderful and. uh, the guy who did um, like Pokey Little Puppy and the Tawny Scrawny Lion Ti- or Tiger, maybe Ti- Tiger. Tawny, I think it's Tawny Scrawny Lion, but it could be Tiger. Um, and uh, he was another. He was like a Scandinavian artist, and I can't remember his name now, unfortunately. But there was also like, um, yeah, there was quite a few different artists that were all kind of wonderful in their own way. That uh, yeah, that I'm gonna go the the original twelve little golden books were. Okay. I know I'm interrupting uh, <laughs> this to do that, but yeah. that's what, what I do. Going sideways? Three Little Kittens. All right. Bedtime stories? Who, who drew Three Little Kittens? That, I think that oh, was Garth Williams, right? This is this is a good question. I can get into details in a second. Okay. I'm just going to okay. burn through them. Okay. Then I'll tell you. Uh, bedtime stories, The Alphabet, at A to Z. Okay. Mother Goose, Prayers for Children. Okay. Little, little Red Hen, 
which is a really well-drawn book. Nursery Stories, The Pokey Little Puppy, Golden Age of Fairy Tales, Baby's Book, The Animals of Farmer Jones, and This Little Piggy. So three little kittens you're asking? Okay. The the prayer book is uh, drawn by someone who did a lot of really good books as well. Um, Hers were always very kind of family-oriented. There'll be like books like Let's Help Mummy or Let's Help Daddy. Um, A good one called Baby... Baby Deer, which is uh, was like a book written to introduce a toy doll called okay. Baby Deer that would be like a surrogate sister. James Marshall. Drew the Three Little Kittens? Uh, it says that, yeah. James oh, I don't Marshall. know that oh, Wait a second. James Marshall, author, author and illustrator of Three Little okay, Kittens. Okay, I don't yeah. know that. Uh, one. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, uh, there's... Be- best known for the George and Martha series of picture books. Okay. He also did Three Little Kittens, yeah. Huh. Yeah, that's where Richard Scarry got his start, was in Golden Books. And, oh, man, I'm just trying so hard to remember the name of the... That's okay. We're asking you to remember a lot right now. <laughs> the name of the guy who did, uh, did Tony Scrawny Line and whatnot. Uh, he's uh, another good artist uh, for them. And I used to know them so well because I would read those books over and over to the girls. Mm-hmm. They love those stories. Okay. Let's move on from uh, Kay Thompson. Okay. And let's turn, our, turn to Barry Ryan. And uh, so this is Eloise by Barry Ryan. This is sort of like the the cornerstone of this this uh thing was i heard this song and i was like and then i, I was thinking about other songs and i was like boy eloise was a really popular name oh there's so many songs with eloise in it and then i was like you know because there's the song by the hollies dear eloise and then you know there's another song you know the and so then i was going like that and then i was and then the, the other song i was thinking was called eloise turns out it was called alice so that was <laughs> kind of threw me off but anyway yeah, eloise's restaurant yeah you know, that great song that's a great song yeah yeah you can get anything you want at Eloise's restaurant. Oh, shit. <laughs> so, uh, this is Barry Ryan, and this song is Eloise. We'll talk about it when we come back. This is uh, from 1969. Although I think it was actually released in 68 as a single, but the album that came, up, came on it was called Barry Ryan Sings Paul Ryan. So, let's give it a listen.
I'd love to please her I'd love to care But she's not I find you I'd be so kind You'd want to stay I know you'd stay Yeah, uh, I like the song, but yeah, has this flaw. Mm. Can't live up to the intro. The intro is so good. It's, big, da, 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 it's like this big, yeah, yeah. swelling intro. Of like, yeah. here it comes. That's ah, fine. That's good. Okay, That's okay, good. Yeah. I really like it. I, 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 lo- I love super like overly orchestrated songs. Sure. And the the songwriter was Paul Ryan, who was Barry Ryan's twin brother. And in the early to mid '60s, they were a duo. They sang together, and then Paul Ryan started to get kind of uh, anxious about the fan attention and stuff that was starting to swarm around them. And he wasn't enjoying that anymore. So he decided he was, he kind of did like a Brian Wilson. He decided he was just going to like drop out of the performing part of it and just become a writer and just write the songs for his brother. And so apparently he was at a party with um, Richard Harris at Richard Harris's apartment. Oh, okay. And Richard Harris played a rough, like a acetate, a rough kind of uh, MacArthur Park. And Paul Ryan was so taken with it <laughs> that he immediately went home and he just sat and wrote that wrote El- Eloise in three hours and they and got the he got the record company to record it really quickly because he wanted it to come out before MacArthur. I don't know if it might have 
beat it, but you know, it came out about the same time. Because yeah, it, it has, it's very similar in, in sound. It has a slow section yeah, in yeah, it. Yeah, 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 that makes so, sense. I think the slow section in this song is more successful than the slow section in MacArthur Park, frankly. But, but uh, yeah, I, just, uh, I love songs that are like super overcooked like this. That just like throw the kitchen sink in and then sure. throw another kitchen sink in. What the hell? Why not <laughs> have two kitchen sinks playing? Because I just think, yeah, I just I love that kind of uh, crazy, crazy over the top stuff. Like uh, it's great. It's great. All right. Next song. Uh-huh. We're going to go uh we're going to go with uh, William Bell, who was a a Stax performing artist, Stax Records, uh, with a Memphis label. And uh, most famous my favorite song by him is Private Number, which he sang with uh, a singer named Judy Clay. But this is oh, got a fire in here. Uh, Sorry. This is <laughs> this is a uh, a song he wrote with uh, Booker T Washington from Booker T and the MGs, and it's called Eloise bracket hang on in there bracket. And it's from his 67 album, Soul of a Bell. So let's give a listen to Eloise. Here we go. really funky not my thing but i thought it was good and funky oh really i already yeah. like the song i love i love the uh, instrumentation in i'm it. glad you great. do yeah <laughs> um yeah i just really enjoyed it uh 
the stack sound. It's their own yeah. particular sound with the the MGs. Like Booker T and the MGs, they did perform like do solo stuff like as a as a group, but they were basically the like the backing band for all of the stacks artists. And then later on, uh, a band called the Barquets or the Marquees, depending which form form they were in, uh, they became sort of like the the co-backing band. So they had because the MGs were touring more and stuff like that, and so they kind of split the the work. But uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, technically, I know this is a good song. I just, uh, just yeah, that's my movie. <laughs> but I, I understand. All right, well, let's go move to our last song then. This is the the, the oldest song on our list. This is from 1971. So we had a song from, because I like it, it's from 67, 69, I think 68, when the single came out, 68, 67. All these Eloise songs just kind of coming up. I don't know why. It just seems weird to me that, mm-hmm. that this is like a, a short time period. But then this is the last one. This is from 71 from a band called... Uh, Stray, uh, who are kind of like a, a kind of psychedelic rock band. And this is sort of an atypical song. And it was written by the singer, this guy named Stephen Gadd. Uh, most of the other songs were written by a, a different band member on the album. And this is the one song by him. And it's just kind of a very light uh, romantic song. And let's give a listen to Dearest Eloise from their album with the pleasant name Suicide from 1971. Here we go, Dearest Eloise. sweet and uh, had a very nice build to it enjoyed that and very beetly so yeah very beetly <laughs> beetly 
That's why it's the last you song. You might hear that on our podcast <laughs> completely beatly. Completely we beatly. talk about Beatle-ish songs. beatle songs. That would be kind of fun to do, actually. But yes, that was the final song. So there you go, everyone. You didn't think you would ever hear five songs called Eloise in a row. And, and if now, your name is Eloise, what a day for you listening to That's this. right. Here you go. Because there are names that are very popular. Mary is a very popular name in songs. Mm-hmm. Mary Ann. Diane. Diana is a popular one? Diana, yeah. Oh, Diana? How many Diana songs uh, are Dirty Diana, uh, Diana from Paul Anka. Yeah. Uh, uh, and there is a Prefest Road song, Diana, as well. I don't want to, I don't want to, like, uh, deny that. I'm just trying to think of other ones that, because uh, I could think of the Paul Anka one, but. Yeah. Yeah. There are others. I, I'm sure I, you're right. I'm sure you're right. I went out with someone named Diana, and she hated all songs uh, that were named <laughs> Diana. That makes sense. And then, uh, yeah, Mary's not that fond of Mary's songs either. And then, um. And then Mary Mary Ann is also a very popular because it has that three syllable thing, which Eloise has too. Eloise, yeah, three syllables. There you go. It's a good uh, Diana by Paul Anka, uh, <laughs> Dirty Diana by Michael Jackson. Okay. Uh, Diane, not really Diana, but yeah. by Husker Du. Okay. Uh, Fleetwood Mac, uh, also oh oh Diane. Well, they don't stop counting these. <laughs> Diana by Nerf Herder. Okay. Uh, Famous, Diana famous, by Frankie you know what, Lyman. Do you know why you know Nerf Herder? Because uh, it's a Star Wars reference? No, because they did the theme song for Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, nice. Uh, Diana by uh, by Brian Adams. Yep. Uh, and, uh, yeah. Diana by Prepress Road. Don't forget that one. And there we go. Da, 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 da. Also, a song about the princess, just like Brian Adams. So, look. Here's the thing. Yeah. Uh, we get letters sometimes. We do get letters. We read them. We get numbers as well. Do we? What are the numbers we get? Private numbers. Numbers for money. <laughs> Add them up. Maybe baby, they're prime. Baby, baby. So last week we baby, asked some baby, questions. Private number. Okay. Have you ever had a job, we asked, where you didn't know what you were doing? And also, what's the best airport you've ever been to? <laughs> Dave's goofy questions. Yep. Yeah. So uh, you were mentioning the co-host of uh, Horse Mysteries, Lisa. Uh, yes. And uh, who just had a How birthday. Happy I birthday. I love her. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and uh, she responded. Oh. She could have just told you this at home in the privacy of your own home. <laughs> but she decided to air the dirty laundry in she public. She did. And uh, there we go. We all know we like to go to a laundromat and uh, <laughs> record a podcast and air some dirty laundry. Much to the confusion of Parisians. It sounds like a cooler thing uh, than it was. Like, we went to a Parisian laundromat, and we did a podcast live in it, sitting in the middle of it, while our laundry was being done, while water was pouring on the floor, because no one knew how to work the machines. So it was spurting on the floor. I think the machine was broken. Oh, it sure was. And it was spurting water on the floor, like, to the point where uh, it was, like, going out the front door on a very (laughs) slippery floor. And that first step is, as they say, le doozy. (laughs) You know, it was surprising that no uh, older women were, like, falling out and going, ooh, la, 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 la. Down the, down, the, down the ways. Um, so Lisa writes, R-E, regarding, regarde, uh, questions of the week. Number one. Okay. My current job is when I started in 1995, I was hired as a teacher in a high school for a mixed bag of classes. I, I had trained in and my experience was in uh, elementary level. My most recent class had been a kindergarten class. So transitioning to high school from kindergarten was a big, big leap. However, even worse was that part of my responsibility was to be a business teacher. And the first class I was to teach was keyboarding. 
I don't even know what that is. I had taken keyboarding <laughs> myself in high school, so I figured it was quite doable. What I hadn't banked on was the fact that time had marched on and left me behind. <laughs> I had taken keyboarding classes on typewriters, but walked into a class full of computers. I didn't know how to use a computer. I didn't even know how to turn them on. <laughs> I had asked students how to work them, and I was supposed <laughs> to be teaching these kids. LOL. They knew more than I did, fortunately. Dave would come to school every day after work and teach me how to do something so I could teach the kids how to do it the next day. Good for Dave. Nice guy. Uh, if, uh, if the computer asks, would you like to play a game? Say no. Because it's going to start a <laughs> nuclear war. I know that much. Best airport. I, like, I kind of like Calgary. Mm. It has lots of mobiles and other weird and interesting things hanging from the ceilings uh, that helps one to kill time. I spent a lot of time at that airport killing time, I might add. <laughs> yep, Calgary. Uh, that's their slogan when you go into town. Yeah. Uh, come here, kill some time. <laughs> Say hi to Edmonton for us. Uh, Peter Ayers Peter. writes, Hey, you guys. <laughs> here in Britain, that's my British accent. Hey, you guys. I'm here from London town. Whoa. Whoa. Uh, bada bing, bada boom. Hey, check out the King Charles on that hey. guy. Oh, wow. What are those ears? Or are you Dumbo? What's going on here? Am I right? Bada England. Bing, bada big bin. Hey, I love me some football. What I mean is soccer. You know what I'm talking about. This guy knows. Whoa. Here in Britain. <laughs> I'm still reeling from the sad news. Uh, oh, this is a sad one. So I'm sorry to have done a goofy one. We're going to clear the palette now. Clearing okay. the palette? David? Yes. It's autumn. It is autumn. Are you watching the leaves fall? Um, That's I, enough palette clearing. Okay, here we go. <laughs> I was going to say, we just had a huge windstorm, so the leaves we are did. Like, yeah, yeah. The leaves are gone. <laughs> the leaves are gone. P, P was mentioning uh, uh, how much how loud the leaves are when they fall now. Mm. The leaves fall and they... <laughs> They used to be so quiet. Yeah. I guess because it's, it's been kind of dry. Yeah. And so there's not a lot of moisture in the leaves. So Good. I think we've cleansed the palate. We're all right. Yeah. So this one is, is kind of a sad one. Okay. Right. All right. So here in Britain, I'm still reeling from the sad news of the death of comic book artists I hold dearest, the legendary Kevin O'Neill. That mm. is very sad. Yeah. I like his yeah. work a lot. Yes. I first encountered his step in the fast disintegrating gray pages of 2000 AD. <laughs> and from the start, he was in a league of his own. Yeah. An extraordinary draftsman, equally capable of minimalist res restraint and maximalist fantastical chaos. His mastery of technique was peerless, equally brilliant when working in line, ago, line alone in line and spot black with gray wash and in fully painted color. I'm lucky to have a nemesis he doodled for me. Oh, that's very cool. Together with yeah. a painted page from Martial Law. Also cool. Uh, given the now stagnant nature of superhero product, we need the marshal to come and eviscerate a few of these egos now more than ever. <laughs> he actually did a crossover with uh, Hell um, Hellraiser. I remember that. I'm afraid Hellraiser. 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 Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Pinhead and the gang. Oh, really? Yeah. He kind of fits into that world. The look. Martial he's law. Got, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got his uh, barbed wire on I don't his think, arms. I don't think America got martial law. I remember one thing. He one line from it. You know, uh, you know, where he was very happy to meet them, yeah. Because he was like, "Oh yeah, I always, uh, I always wanted these uh, heroes to die and go to hell. Now I know there's a hell. That's great." <laughs> uh, O'Neill was uh, sorely underappreciated in his lifetime, as I've said before on these pages. It's uh, criminal that they ignored his brilliant character, costume, and vehicle designs when they made the cinematic League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Oh, yes. Agreed. Yeah. If he was French, he'd have a national uh, treasure status and medals to match. Here he may not even get a decent obituary in the national press. His work is so rich, so venomous in its satire, 
As gets pointed out often, he is the only artist whose entire style was deemed too much for publication by the Comics Code Authority. <laughs> I don't know how much of his work reached you guys, but I would love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, no, I especially liked League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, but Martial Law hit me at the right time and right place, and I always liked that. Well, as a 2000 AD reader, I, yeah. I liked Nemesis a lot. I think that's what it was called. Yes. It was kind of, as I, it's been a while since I read it, but I do remember like it feeling kind of robotic and i just liked his, his his style it was very very unique yeah it was super unique like as soon as you saw it you're like oh this like this guy is not because <laughs> there's a lot of kind of there was a sort of a house style like to the judge dread art yeah but he definitely did his own thing and, and like you a league of extraordinary gentlemen i think would be his masterpiece just because ellen moore just gave him so much scope like so much to fill like to to fill this world yeah and you know his his um like I think it was a two-page spread of the War of the Worlds. Oh yeah, yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah. and that was this, this brilliant. And uh, yeah, there's so many like great like two, double pages of 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 stuff in there that where it's yeah, he's it's pretty amazing. We agree. We uh, very very much agree. I'm just taking a look. Yeah, Nemesis the Warlock was the full yeah. name. name I was gonna of say that. I was gonna call it call this call it Warlock because I couldn't remember exactly what it's called now. It's been a while since I read it. I have to admit, I have to confess to being uh, out of the. 2080 loop yeah yeah i thought he did some stuff for omega men yeah and he oh yeah he did a really good uh green lantern uh story with alan moore as well that was really disturbing (laughs) and and good uh they did a whole um kind of spin-off of it many many years later uh called the blackest night which involved like zombies and whatever but it was Mm. all based on the story that he did with uh with Moore. Mm. um peter ayers writes best airport uh now, I, I, am I saying this right? Duluth, uh, D-U-L-L- Dulles. D-U-L-L-E-S. Dulles Airport. After, named after John Foster Dulles, the American uh, okay. now, states, states person. Now Ronald Reagan Airport in Washington, D.C. A beautiful building by, oh, you're going to make me say this as well. Yeah. Eero Sarian, architect of the St. Louis uh, Arc. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the most the gateway. The oh, it is a hell of a gateway. <laughs> Some say it's also a wormhole. Maybe it goes to another dimension. We'll see. It's a the most gate. pleasurably simple, user-friendly airport I've ever departed from. Huh. If arriving on the land side, you pass through monumental columns supporting an elegant draping concrete roof. The sweep of the roof invites you through to the air side, mm-hmm. where you're picked up by giant buses on stilts and taken to mini satellite terminals. The advantage being you don't have to factor in a 20-minute sprint down endless cor- corridors to get to your gate. The concept- I can't imagine buses on stilts. Like, what does that mean? Huh? I don't know. We should look it up. I guess we could do that. We could. Or I could just ask a question. You can just ask it. Yeah, that's true. And then forget about it. Purely rhetorical. Yeah, please do. Please be, please be rhetorical. Uh, the concept was beautifully sold by uh, Sarian's friends and legendary designers in their own rights, Charles and Ray uh, er, er, Eames. 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 No, Eames furniture. Eames. Yeah. Very famous. In uh, a 1950s promotional cartoon mid, and... Mid-century modern. If you're asking, well, where can I see this cartoon? Uh, Peter left a link. You just nice. click on it. takes you right there on YouTube. Cool. I haven't had time to see it yet. Okay. Well, now you can. I will. Take the time. I will look. All right. Uh, in my job of architecture, every project contains challenges you've never encountered before, so you're constantly placed in a position where you, uh, you don't know what I'm doing. Architects are generalists, but we surround ourselves with specialists, from engineers to electricians. Everyone knows more than we do. Navigating the unknown is the challenge that makes the job stimulating, and like so many other jobs, 
uh, I thought you were showing me a cartoon. No, no, no. Sorry. Uh, and I was like, that's Tintin. That doesn't help me at all. <laughs> and like so many other jobs, nice robust too. working processes help us and our clients to proceed with competence. Well, that's interesting. Um, so I'm going to ask Peter this question. It's not a rhetorical Please. question. Peter, you have to respond to this. Yeah, he does. So when you're doing architecture, when you're designing something, uh, and you're kind of like, kind of maybe being sort of experimental or kind of pushing boundaries then do you have to have it do you have to like kind of run it past what you say experts like engineers let's say people who would be like well you can't do that because the tensile strength of blah 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 wouldn't hold this or do you know what i mean like it feels like like something like i'll make it more like an obvious kind of thing like frank lloyd wright's falling water right like that's an example of a place that's built with a new technology of like rebar concrete that you could make those kind of like cantilevered ledges and things like that which are you know have to be no, I think it's kind of falling apart because of mm-hmm. time. But still, at the time, you know, these things were like these incredible. And I just wonder how much of that has to be like uh, vetted by people who know the actual like tensile strength of concrete and yeah. how how far you can go with these sort of things. Anyway, you can answer that or not. I just put it out there. I should just guess. Yeah, you know, figure it out later. Just make so a guess. Yeah, you just guess, build it, and if it falls, it falls. Yeah, what that, you is, do? that would explain the roof at Metrotown. Yeah, that's why pencils have erasers. <laughs> uh, Edward Draganski responds to Peter saying... Responds? Yeah, saying, O'Neill uh, was hugely sought after during my days at Lone Star Comics in the 80s. My store manager and good friend who was my co-worker at the store turned me on to O'Neill's brilliant work. The pass to O'Neill was more on the grand shoulders of Alan Moore due to his work on Swamp Thing and Watchmen. But that eventually led to Moore and O'Neill's League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Everything he said above is spot on. O'Neill brought uh, great utility to his work, and it worked everywhere it had to. Busy, simplistic, black and white or color. The guy could draw a fucking skull like nobody's business. <laughs> he was he was a master, and he will be missed. Agreed. Huh. Our friend Luis. Luis, I got a present for you from Paris. Luis. Luis. I got a present for you. Let me know when you want it, and I'll get that to you. Luis. I got that. Um, my dad once got me a summer job in the office where he worked, but I was underqualified for it. Before the fax machine and email, there was the telex machine. Oh, I remember those. Which sent messages with holes punched in a ticker tape. You typed your message, phoned the number of the receiving telex machine, then fed the tape through it when the connection was made. It wasn't hard to learn how to use it, but I was a real slow typist. <laughs> the messages were all about tracking down parts. Each part had a complicated string of numbers and letters identifying it. I made a lot of mistakes, but rather than starting each tape from scratch, it was faster to just list the corrections at the end of the message. All the people I was sending the messages for could see the mistakes I made when I printed up the copies for the company's files, but everyone was nice about it. (laughs) Well, that's nice. Orlando's airport is pretty slick. Almost like a theme park in itself. It has monorails that take you from the main terminal out to the departure gates and Disney and Universal gift shops in case you didn't quite leave enough of your money in Florida already. Speaking of gift Hi. shops, I have a present for you, Luis. Let me know when you want that. <laughs> hey, our friend Regis, who we saw in person in Paris. Yeah, that was He nice. wrote us a letter on our site. Cool. And now I can't do the impression I used to do because now I know what he really sounds like and so it's not as cool anymore. <laughs> Damn it. Hey! One show late, yes, it was nice to be able to meet the guys. I can't stress this enough. Everyone must experience this, at least sneakers. Not Adidas, obviously. You need to... This is how I expected him to talk. I expected more immediate sidebars and bracketed things. Nice to meet you. 
Or is it? Perhaps. <laughs> Don't know. I thought. But anyway. You need to. Uh, you just need to win the prize of the best question at random each 100 episodes. The trick is to win uh, the one just before they plan the next trip to your country. <laughs> Easy peasy. Even I can do it. I only regret one thing. Other than the negative direct aftermath of our meeting, darn. Uh, but, yeah. you know, living in a third and a half world country. <laughs> is that I wanted to ask you to bring me some Sour Patch Kids. Oh. Which I would have traded uh, for some uh, Croco Pick. Croco for Crocodile. And Pick for Sting. Not the singer, obviously. They are the best, particularly the yellow ones. But not the blue. Cherry. Ugh. Give me a break. The Wait, original were cherry? the red, green, and yellow. The best don't remember I ever told you. The bicolor is kind of okay. The orange is completely forgettable. Well, you don't know what you're missing. You folks know mine. And by the way, the new colors are limited edition. Since several years, wish it was true. Regular is best and better in yellow. Hmm. Listen, we don't take to talking about candy on this show. <laughs> so let's, let's not do that. So I'm going to move right. on. Sour Patch Kids. Rules! Noted. I mean about rules. Completely on board with Dave. As slightly anxious people, rules are good for us. Indicted mm-hmm. uh, rules, not implicit ones. Yes. Man, I hate ambiguities. Social rules? Erg. <laughs> but not to follow them. They really are crap. It's just to try stop uh, to stopping others from doing incomprehensible things or comprehend the thing they do and stopping dum-dums doing <laughs> deadly dumb things. <laughs> now, on the subject of insecurity, yeah. community is nice. But uh, I got mixed feelings. I still prefer Brooklyn Nine-Nine because it has more balance as a regular comedy show and Rick and Morty because it has real philosophical depth. Depth. It's dark and just plain crazy and gross too. Community is kind of torn between those two. How far have you gotten into it? Like, I usually, here's what I do with community. I go like, start with season two. And people go, I want to see season one. I know, but start with season two. But I want to see season one. Start with season two. Go back. But anyway. And then it gets uh, more crazy and crazy and crazy. And then season four where you go, ugh. And then it goes back to five. You go, ooh. But you you tell me. You tell me what you think. Um, Is it a Groundhog Day? If it was a sitcom, the plot repeats itself. Dissension and reconciliation. But explore the many ways to tell this story on each loop. I really like the madness which pops up uh, there and then, particularly in the first two seasons, where there's a lot of wonderful surprises and inventions. I'm at the fourth season. Yes, it is kind of a weird, weird in regard to itself. A cleaner version is less crazy with pointless subplots like Britta and Troy. What? Why? When? And how? (laughs) Oh, and I just watched an NBC interview of Dan Harmon. Very interesting. He answers the question of the fundamental difference between the two shows at uh, the 21-minute part. Uh, and I watched the document, and we got the uh, the link below. And I watched the documentary Harmontown. It's interesting and quite logical. I won't elaborate on this, but you know uh, this darn limits of numbers of characters on the forum. Is it Twitter or what? <laughs> or maybe I should upgrade my computer memory. He references Belushi, and I watched the doc that the documentary too. So 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 sad. Hey, wait, sneakers, sneaky dragon. Is this a form of Adidas worshipper? Did I mention miss something? The name is kind of confusing. Nearly sneaky, if you ask me. Whose shoes it? Bye. <laughs> Very nice. Now we're back to Edward Dragansky. Oh, wow! Looks like the gang's all here and without the jet lag. Speak for yourself. <laughs> Uh, yeah, just getting over the jet lag, and then we have daylight savings. Oh, boy. And I know it's not daylight savings. It's going back to standard time. I understand. I understand. But it still threw me off. 
Uh, most of my jobs started out as contract or freelance, so there's never really any breakdown in communication once the job started. Usually, starting with one project at a time, freelancing was fairly easy, with most employers who later hired me uh, once they saw I could keep up with more volume. That said, I had a few freelance gigs between my permanent employment. They were like pissing in the wind on a dark and stormy, or uh, pissing in the wind on a dark and windy night. I'm not sure if it was the style and rhythm of these places that didn't sink in or just poor communication. Sometimes it was like I was speaking an entire different language than the client or creative director. Uh, these were guys who thought uh, to inspire everyone around them with a creative thinking, but it just came off as a bunch of brain farts. Best I could do was react to it and hope I nailed it or at least designed something to provoke a reaction leading to better communication. <laughs> as frustrating as it gets, it also gets better uh, when you know, listen, and learn from the same clients or creatives over time and develop a rhythm over years with the same employer. Hmm. So there we are. There you go. Young Mick Elliott writes us as well. Ooh. Hey, gents. Loved your European safari episode. <laughs> Talking belatedly of travel scams. Mm. Many years ago, I was in New York for business. I get what you're saying. Oh. Some of that New York business. Oh. Huh? Uh, is that right, Mick? You know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> Woohoo! Anyway, I had a couple hours free. I bet you did. Ooh, New York yeah. business, you know what I mean? <laughs> hubba, 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 hubba. So I took a stroll around Times Square. Oh, I know what you're saying. Times Square. Yeah, I got you. that's right. Pre-Giuliani, you know what I'm saying. You get where I'm going with this. Woo! <laughs> okay, settle down, everybody. I had a couple hours free for my flight, so I took a stroll around Times Square. My son was massively into Spider-Man at the time, and I saw one of those unlicensed costume performers <laughs> posing for photos with tourists. I knew my son would be amazed to see a photo of me with a realistic-looking Spider-Man in New York, and I figured it might be a couple of bucks tip at the most to get a photo with him. No sooner had a courteous, had a courteous got uh, got courteously got Spider-Man's attention that I was suddenly surrounded by about six various superhero characters all crowded around me. The speed in which I was surrounded on both sides was breathtaking. Then an enormous guy in a Bane costume appeared out of nowhere. He towered over me and held out his massive hand, waiting for me to give him my phone to take the photo. I had already felt like I was walking blindly into the I'm a biggest jump in New York territory, but everything was moving so fast. Less than 10 seconds had passed between my impromptu decision to get a photo with Spider-Man and suddenly handing my phone to Bane, all <laughs> surrounded by various cosplay versions of DC and Marvel characters. They all squeezed in for the photo while Bane took a couple of steps back and framed the photo. I smiled like an idiot, and then to my surprise, Bane handed me the phone back. I took out my wallet and pulled out a $5 note. The last of two U.S. notes I had in my wallet. No, growled Bane. No, growled Bane. Uh, moving closer to his chest, it was uh, almost against mine, and swiping the $5 note, he reached into my wallet and took uh, the 20 Yes. Before I could say or do anything, he folded the 20 in his pocket and walked away. While I stood there with my mouth open, not about to take on Bane or his dodgy, unlicensed super cronies who are now dispersing to find their next gormless target. All I had wanted was to be able to show my son that I met Spider-Man in New York. Instead, I scored uh, the dumbest doofus tourist uh, award in North America. At least I had the photo, though. That was something. Yeah. I looked down at my phone. The phone photo was almost completely blurry. The only thing in focus was the glow of shame radiating from my face. And that is the story how I went into the stupid verse. <laughs> Ari uh, Jobs 
I have uh, certainly uh, worked at many places where the people in senior positions had no idea what they were doing. I discovered the hard way that they don't like it. Uh, well, that's pointed out to them, however. Can't wait for your Totally Tintin episode to drop soon. And then back to Edward Dragansky. Ed! To stick the landing on the web questions at the very least. Okay. Uh, I've been to Chicago O'Hara's airport many times. I think it was once listed as the nation's busiest airport, but I have a story about another one, now listed as a busier airport than O'Hare. In fact, no joke, it was 11 years ago today that I was in Los Angeles's LAX airport all day long. We were in LA for two days, meeting over a pro- promotional uh, presentation for The Amazing Spider-Man and uh, Men in Black 3 at the Sony uh, at Sony Columbia Studios. Then we were off to a meeting uh, for the Star Trek video game that was at Paramount Studios, Gene Roddenberry Building of all places. The next morning, I was at the mercy of my creative director's schedule, who had an early flight out. Mine wasn't until late afternoon. After he attempted to get me on his, on, on his flight, I was stranded in the LAX terminal all day long with my luggage and an iPad. The terminal looked like something out of trains, planes, and automobiles, and it wasn't even near the holidays yet. There were passengers everywhere, on seats, the floor, the carpet, hogging the outlets for phone charging, sleeping, and eating. I had to walk outside. I had all day here so I could afford to uh, wander. (laughs) I found a nearby terminal walking distance from the busy LAX one. Upon entering this terminal was something like the entrance to Shangri-La. I found the Korean Air Terminal. It was uncluttered, clean, comfortable seating, plenty of room near charging stations, and crowds of beautiful Korean flight attendants and flowing (laughs) scarves walking about. I think it even smelled nice in there, if I remember correctly. I stayed there all day and relaxed until it was close to my flight time back at LAX. The Korean air terminal was my heaven for a day 11 years ago. I could have easily been persuaded to board a flight to Korea. It was so nice. I'll let uh, I'll, I'll let go now, since this message board is kind of looking like LAX right now. <laughs> Glad you guys are back, even though it's good to be front, too. Oh, you. <laughs> All good things to my fellow sneakers. <laughs> huh, and that is the end of the web questions. Do we have any other on the emails? Yeah, we Why got don't you tell me now? <laughs> don't you tell me now. Okay. Dave, it's time for the emails. Go. Now? Beep. Okay, go. here we go. Uh, we got an email from Tom. Yay! And uh, I have not read this, so I'm going to read it. Freestyle it. I'm going to freestyle it. Hopefully there's not a... Well, anyway, it's fine. Uh, Tom says, Hi, gentlemen. So, starts off on the wrong foot. Yeah. Us? I'm a week late here on the scams topic. No, there's no such thing as being late. No, no. No such thing. I'm a week late here on the scams topic, but I was pickpocketed in Majorca right in front of my very eyes. My wife and I were approached by an old lady who proffered what seemed to be a piece of lucky heather or something, insisting on pressing it into my wife Ruth's hand. Ruth tried to hand it back, but the old lady kept pushing it back. I thought she just wanted cash, so I unzipped my bum bag, fanny pack in USA, a totally unacceptable term to us Brits, pulled out a euro coin and offered that to get rid of her. She proceeded to give, uh, give back the coin by reaching out and dropping it back into the bum bag. I watched the whole thing. The old lady seemed to wave away my attempt to payment and went on her way. We thought that was the end of it. But as we walked away, <laughs> I started to wonder what the heck the encounter was all about and thought I should check the contents of my bum bag in case she had not, in fact, returned the coin and had taken us for a euro. Well, the coin was there, but a roll of notes, 120 euros in total, was missing. <laughs> oh my gosh. No! No! Somehow, before my very eyes, 
She'd grabbed the notes when she pulled open the bum bag to put the coin back. I ran back to where it had happened, but of course she was gone. And even if I'd found her, she'd have had others in tow. Dave's description of his... Of his... Sorry. Dave's description of how he felt afterwards was exactly what I experienced. It brought the memories right back. Well, sorry about that. <laughs> sorry to make you feel that way twice. It's, it is pretty awful to have to go through that ringer. Yeah. And then you come out the other side and you can kind of, you can kind of enjoy it and tell your friends about it and, and not blush. I also wanted to say how much I'm enjoying the horse mysteries. Yay. Oh, horse mysteries. That might be the show that I do with my wife, Lisa Williamson. Mm-hmm. She's the host. I am the know-nothing co-host. That's I'll, usually my role. Yeah, although this uh, week... So, which one's Ringo? <laughs> okay, all right. All right. No, I got it, I got it. Wait, got it. horses have four legs? What? What? <laughs> uh, I also wanted to say how much I'm enjoying the horse mysteries. I've never been a horse person, but the stories are so engaging, I'm thoroughly enjoying them. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. Anyway, thanks for continuing to keep me entertained each week, and hope you put the link up for the Totally Tintin Belgium trip special soon. It was TT that turned me on to you guys in the first place. Yay. So really looking forward to hearing it. I've missed how to listen to it. Do let me know how to access it. Regards, Tom. I want to say his last name. Okay. Just for issues of privacy. Um, well, Tom, let me tell you, because of my, my computer ineptitude, whenever we post a show, for whatever show we post, it just shows up in the Sneaky Dragon feed anyway. So uh, I'm hoping to have it. Oh, I should have dropped it this Thursday, actually. Today's Thursday. Well, I'm hoping to have it out soon. We'll have it out soon. Because that's going to step on Horse Mystery's toes. But that's fine. Who cares about Horse Mystery's Oops. toes? They're hooves anyway, so it's fine. They're, they've got a big big toenail. They can take it. So, uh, yeah, it'll be out very soon. I just have to um, I just have to remember how to edit it. I.e., add a theme song to it and put it up on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that'll happen soon. We uh, had had a good talk about that. It was fun. So, very, very soon. I just had a... I just kind of got put through the ringer with getting Horse Mysteries done, so... It got uh, pushed to the back burner. But it will be available soon. All right. Well, there we go, everyone. Thank you for writing in via email, which, of course, is sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. That's the way you can get in touch with us via email. Or you can go to our website. It's called sneakydragon.com. I know that seems unusual. Sneakydragon.com. There you'll find our shows. There you'll find plenty of room to leave your comments. To our questions this week, which are... We've already got one, I think. Which is? Which is... Uh, tell us about your favorite sports nickname. Okay. I got, I got a question. I should uh, say, it's a question. So in form of a question, what is your favorite sports nickname? Like it. Okay. Uh, my, my question, you were talking about how you were kind of done with Star Wars TV shows or whatever. Done yeah. with Star Wars. Uh, what is your favorite uh, movie spinoff? As in, but not for movies. So like, uh, you know, uh, like... Uh, this would this would count would be like the Boba Fett TV show would count okay as like a spinoff of the movie sure or you know uh, or you know uh, as one of the Marvel TV shows or it could be anything that's like a spinoff it could even be a video game could be a book could be something but like what is something that is your favorite spinoff of movie of a movie okay uh, that is not the movie all right I think I can uh, pare that down to a question. Okay, what's your favorite spinoff of a movie that is not a movie? <laughs> there you go. Yeah, could be a book, video game, a TV show. Okay, what have you. so it's not a sequel to the movie or whatever. It would like a movie sequel would have to be like a TV, like the. You know what? I would accept like something like Buckaroo Banzai has had 
some sequel books okay. uh, come come All off right. of them. Right. So that would that would count for for me. I would say in this, I would cut that as a spell. so like uh, Young Indiana Jones would count as a Young Indiana Jones would count absolutely. That's right. And I'm, let me just say that one of my favorite sports nickname is of course Richie the Bomber uh, Tenenbaum. Nice. Okay, here's something else. Now, here's a questionable one. Okay. Would this count? Sure. The MASH TV show. What's that? Well, the MASH, there was MASH the movie. Oh, the MASH, oh, the MASH TV so show. So would you count the MASH TV show as a spinoff of the MASH movie or not? Only the first year. Ah. When they had about 15 people in the cast. Okay. And it really felt like, it really felt like it was a, a big part of, like it just felt like a continuation of the movie. Okay. As the show went on, it became less and less connected to its original source. Yeah, it felt like it was a spinoff because it used the same theme song. Mm, okay. Yeah. yeah, I guess that's true. Although it took away the singing. It did because you can't sing that song because what the hell is that song? <laughs> that song is hot nonsense. <laughs> well, it relates to the movie, of course. Why don't you kill yourself? Well, it's all fun that's a scene. and good. It's great. Because yeah. the song is sung during Painless, the dentist, true. his uh, his suicide i'll put that in quotation right though they do play the song way before then like at the opening of the uh, movie mm-hmm. uh with, with with that word do they have the lyrics still yeah yeah oh I don't, yeah it's been a while since i watched it obviously because you know me i do actually i was talking to a friend uh at work today and uh he was telling me that he got some films he bought some movies and he's like and i watched i get what you're saying i watched I such and films. such that movies yeah yeah <laughs> Maybe from New York? Well, they were from New York, yeah. Ah, yeah, nice. yeah. They had some ladies in them. Oh, right. Yeah. Nice stuff. One of them was Debbie Reynolds in Mother, the Albert Brooks film. And but the other was, was Bane. <laughs> Bane. I'll say it's not $20. I'll say to you. Um, no, it's... Uh, it was just sort of fun because you know my theory of... Like, I don't really like to watch movies very much. Because of, you know, like, to me... The first experience of a movie, you will never re, never recapture the feeling you had watching that movie. And you can like, you know, have like, you know, like water it down and watch it again and water it down one more time and watch it again. But you'll never, you know, like, and so he was, he was talking about the Albert Brooks film Mother. And I said, Oh, that's a good movie. He's like, Oh no, it doesn't hold up at all. I said, Yeah, because I watched it once and I enjoyed it and I'm never going to see it again and I'll always enjoy it. I'm not a ding dong like you who watches it again and then goes, Oh, that wasn't as good because it'll never be as good. Because the jokes are, you've seen all the jokes. You've seen the movie now. You don't, what are you going to get out of it? I don't understand this. I feel differently. Continue. <laughs> he does. He feels differently too. Yeah. It was just because he was talking about like the parallax view, which is a crazy movie. I've seen it once. I might watch it again because I watch it on TV and I would like to see it like in its proper ra- ratio, yeah. like stuff like that. But at the same time, it's like a crazy conspiracy movie that makes absolutely no sense at all, which is part of the magic of it is that it makes no sense, that it's completely confusing, and then when it ends, you're just like, what the hell was that about? And that's the magic of the movie. But if you watch it again, then the fact that it makes no sense is very obvious to you, and it kind of starts to detract from the film, because well, you're, you're no longer just like confused by it. You're yeah, just maybe sort of, if you're watching you know, uh, surprise movies, and the whole thing is about the twists and the Yeah, movies. yeah. But I, I'll take it like something like an Edgar Wright movie, like a Hot Fuzz or whatever. I can watch that many times, and I'll pick up something every mm. time that I missed before. Yeah. And there's other things like now that I know a twist in it, yeah. I can watch other things in it and see what they were setting up. Yeah. And that's interesting. Mm. And so you know, okay. you can, I, it's a different experience, you know, as you as you go along. Sure. So I'm fine with that. Watered down, but uh... oh, no. <laughs> you know what? There used to be a tea. That um, you could get uh, nearby at this at this restaurant. Yeah. It was actually it was fun because the guy had like an enormous spout that he would like then flick 
and he would uh, be very far away from you, and yeah. that would land in your cup, and you'd go, oh, scary. But <laughs> but how it went was, it was a tea that uh, you would fill up four times, and each time, yeah. it would be a different flavor. I see. Different things would have like sure. erupted by that point and changed. And I feel that way about watching movies sometimes. It's like, okay, now this is the second yeah. time I'm going for this tea. Now it's the third time. Now it's the fourth time. And they're going to be all different experiences each time. That's what. That's how it is for me. Yeah, and I'm I, correct. I feel. I feel like movies like that to people are, are more. They're more like comfort food than they are like a like a. You know what I mean? Like rather than like a cinematic experience, the movie can become sort of comfort food where you just sort of turn it on and you can like have it on in the background Some while you're are like that, while you're sure. reading or watching. Of the galaxy like that. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. And that's that's not really what I look for for movies. You know, like I want to be in. The, I want to be involved in the film and I want to like be excited by it. And I want to, sure. when it's over, I want to be like, Oh, that was really fun. Or that was, or that wasn't that great or whatever, you know, what I've mm-hmm. experienced. It's funny. Uh, I went and saw a uh, woman King, the woman King last night with Mary invited uh, Lisa and I to come see it. She's, she really enjoyed it. So she said, well, you got to come. I want to see it again. And it's playing at Cottonwood. So come yeah. on out and see it. And it was very good. It was a very good film. Like, you know, all that, you know, it has uh, Viola Davis and of course, super great actress, obviously. And, and that, that Lashana, Tasha, Lashana Lynch, I think her name is. Okay. I think she was in Captain Marvel as the pilot friend. Sure, sure. She was uh, the original 355. That's right. That's right. And uh, why? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, she's in it. Like lots of good a- a- actresses are in it and doing a great job. And it has John Boyega. And it's fun to see him like get a nice juicy role instead of the garbage he was handed in the Star Wars films. And uh, yeah, it's, just, it's a lot of good. It was a good movie. It was a lot of fun. But Mary said, uh, she goes, she said, oh yeah, I went and saw... Uh, don't worry, darling. I said, oh, yeah. How was that? She goes, oh, not good. It was bad. It was a bad movie. I said, really? She goes, yeah. I said, this is so bad because um, that movie, um, what was it called? Book? Booksmart? Booksmart, yeah. It was so so good, you know, by the same director. Like, uh-huh. and, uh, that seems like a very different movie. <laughs> it doesn't seem, yeah, it does seem like a very different movie. Maybe, maybe, maybe this movie, maybe Don't Worry, Darling, was a little bit too much. Uh, to take on after doing like a kind of a small ensemble comedy. I'm going to do a movie about uh, sci-fi, you know, whatever. And Mary said, the movie, so he goes, okay, dad, you know, in most movies, you know, they have like, it starts, you have a little bit of uh, exposition. Then there's like the rising accent or whatever, you know, the incident. And then, then the movie goes along and then there's the, uh, you know, it kind of peaks at the end. You have like the, the whatever at the end and then it, then a denouement. So in this film, it has a bit of exposition then it just kind of has a not much of a rising incident, not much of it. Then it just kind of goes along real flat for a long time. And then it suddenly goes really up and then it stops. <laughs> like, oh, wow, it's so odd. She goes, oh, it's just not very good. Not too good. Yeah, so. Too bad. It is, well. Well, just seeing the trailer, I wrote down a plot that I thought it could be. Mm. And I was like, if it's not that, I got to watch it because I got to yeah, see yeah. if it's not that plot. <laughs> and if it's not that plot, hey, I've got a plot. So that's nice. Yeah, I was interested in it because I really like Booksmart so much. So I was interested in it, but it just seems like there's just so much, I don't know. It feels like, it's one of those movies where it feels like, I don't know why studios do this, but it feels like if you make a movie and the studio doesn't like it, they'll like shit on their own movie. Like even though they put all yeah. this money into it, yeah. they're like their own worst enemy with that movie. Yeah, maybe. There's movies that that happens to, and you're just like, I don't understand. Like, you'd think that you've paid money for this movie. Like, yeah. you put a bunch of money into this film. Why are you shitting on your own movie? Why are you like creating like press problems and all kinds of, you know? It just it just feels strange to me. The uh, what was the movie? See how they run or whatever that you said that was. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, that's on uh, Disney Plus now. Oh, cool. Yeah, so should give it. I'm gonna get it. Gonna be watching that. Show. Yeah, yeah, give it a watch. It's fun. I was gonna. I was just gonna rent it, and then uh, saw that. Hey. 
I have access to this. <laughs> this is good stuff. But I went and saw it in the theater, which is even better. And you know what? I bought tickets to go see Glass Onion. Okay. The new Knives Out. Yeah, that's how sequel, you want to see that. Which is only in theaters for a week. That's right. By the way, because it's a Netflix show. But we've already bought tickets for it. And when I was buying the tickets, apparently there's a club called Cine Club that you can buy through Cineplex. Okay. It's nine ninety nine a month. Yeah. Or ten ninety nine. Pushing that really hard. Ten ninety nine a month. You get a free ticket. Yeah. Then you can buy a second ticket at nine ninety nine. Yeah. And you get twenty percent off concession. Sounds pretty good. It's a good deal. Like you buy one if you go to one. Depends movie, how many movies you see. Well, I go like to, if you see a movie a month. And, yeah. 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 yeah that's make pretty sense. much me. So all right, that's not normal people. I'm uh, not normal. Uh, that's right. You I'm only a, see the movie once. I'm a movie fan. Yep, it's true. Once. <laughs> well, no, I like the movie. I always like the film. I'll never see it again and go, you know, it didn't hold up. <sighs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> we watch movies very differently. Um, yeah, I, uh, I am very much looking forward there to it. There are films I watch over. I mean, I was just thinking yesterday when I was doing something, I was like, you know what? It's time for a Barcelona rewatch. I haven't watched that sure. movie for a while. That'd be shocking if you wouldn't watch that again. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot. Of, like, I'm sure Glass Onion I will watch at least twice because mm. there's going to be clues that, you know, I want to see the second time around and go like, all right, does this all line? It does. That's nice. Mm. And again, I watch movies a little bit differently, you know, so I'm like, I got my own theories, my own ideas, my own ways I think this might yeah. be going. And then if it does or doesn't, it's still entertaining. And, uh, and yeah, and you watch it more and just <laughs> yep. absorb it all. Whereas I can get distracted and I go, I, I don't know what happened to that plot, but that's still fine. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Yeah. Cause often we'll talk about a movie and you'll, you'll forget like things that, ha- that were like kind of, you know clued in what would right. happen or whatever and you're like they didn't even say it no oh yeah they did oh okay well forget what i was yeah <laughs> so yeah it's true yeah, it's funny like, it's this different way to concentrate on and, the film and if i ever see a, a movie that's got like a like a dvd and i haven't seen the movie and it's got like alt alternate ending included uh i will not watch that movie because i'll go you didn't have an ending for your movie oh okay yeah this really? was a uh, bullshit then the ending didn't matter <laughs> I don't yeah, think, this I was this was just a, we're making it up as we go along. Crap. Well, that's all movies. What? That's all movies. They're all, they're all made up as they go along. Mm, I think there's a lot of movies that uh, know how they're going to end, Is and it, if and if they don't end that way, it makes no sense. I was just watching a. I was listening to a podcast about A Clockwork Orange, and they're saying like the singing in the rain part of the film was was improvised on set. Uh, um, how do you improvise like a violent scene? No, uh, no, the song, singing the song, singing in the rain during the, during that, during the oh, attack okay. was uh, improvised. Like, and the, and the accountant was off to the side going like, what's he doing? <laughs> he's singing. Oh, he's singing. singing oh, okay. Yeah. So we haven't cleared that. Oh, well, that's the thing. So suddenly Kubrick like cleared the song for the film. Uh huh. Cause that's know, lucky. They're like, oh, well, of course they're not going to be silly and put it into the film. Mm-hmm. You're allowed to, to do it. You just can't release it obviously yeah yeah but that's the thing like you've yeah. got this scene that's like the best scene yeah you yeah. know or whatever like the most important scene yeah uh and uh and it's got a song over it that like maybe we'll be able to clear maybe yeah. we won't we're we're filming it though right huh <laughs> okay this is a bit of a risk everybody right right okay here we go yeah let's see what we got and then apparently it was kubrick's idea to to have him sing it at the writer's house at the end of like in the, okay. the third act as well as a clue the, the clues in the writer to who is because in the book the writer just kind of puts together like some Alex's apparent familiarity with his house. Right. And he puts, he starts to realize who this person is. 
but it's much better with the singing in the rain as the clue. So what is the character's name in it? Is, is it Alex? Like Alex, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so Alex in the reality of uh, this is getting dark and weird. <laughs> in the reality of the movie, yeah. Uh, do you think he saw singing in the rain in the movie theater, or do you think he saw it on TV? Do you think he likes the movie? Do you think he he enjoys it? Uh, like he knows the whole song, so like he knows it from yeah. somewhere. Yeah. So is he a fan of singing in the rain and Gene Kelly? Could be. Maybe. Yeah, he's, a he's a big fan of Beethoven. He likes Beethoven, yeah, but yeah. that's very different than a, than a musical. No, I'm just saying he has, like, his tastes aren't, like, completely, The know. thing about liking Beethoven almost feels like, and I know Beethoven isn't in any way connection connected with, like, you know, uh, Nazis or whatnot. You're thinking of Wagner. Wagner, yeah, yeah. But because Wagner is so connected with that, yeah. you know, there's a feeling like when you've got someone who is such a disturbed individual that they like Beethoven, you're kind of like, yeah, this all... That all goes, but yeah. then it's just like, da ba da, do you just sing? In the <laughs> did he like? Does he like musicals? Did he like? Yeah, you know, did he like make them laugh? Does uh, does he like? Uh, what? Well, he that's laugh? probably the problem with an uh, with improvising like that is you do kind of add an element to the character that's not in the book, and you're kind of like making those sort of questions. Yeah, is how would he know this? Like, how would a teen of this future time who speaks in this weird slang? Yeah. You know, Did he go to the movies? Was it playing there? Is it playing on TV? Yeah, yeah. Did he watch it with his mom? Like, what? What yeah. uh, does mom sing it? You know, yeah, what, yeah. what's the what's the relationship he has with his song? <laughs> Again, that's the shit that I think about while Dave's watching the movie, going like, "I'm just watching the movie." Yeah, but do you ever wonder? No, I don't wonder at all. I'm just watching this. I'll discuss it in a podcast later, but I'm not going to think about it right. Well, now. that's the thing, and that's why often, like, if people ask me if I enjoyed a movie after it, I don't really have like a coherent thought about the film yet. I have to think about it for a while after I see a film and think about the think about right. it. Right. Like I don't when I'm watching, it, I'm not really thinking about it that way. I'm not analyzing it. I'm just watching it. So afterwards, that like I go, you know, I start thinking about things and go, well, that's kind of like or I'll basically be like, well, how come I didn't enjoy that film, mm-hmm. or how come I thought it was weak at the end? Like what made me think that? You know, like like what was the problem? Was yeah. it the writing, the directing, the acting? Like or what made it great? Why was it like what made it so good? Was it the directing? Was it the writing? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot to think about. Um, hey, are we at the end of the show? We are pretty much at the end of the show. All right, then. I think we can say goodbye. All right, look, hey, tell Dave if he should watch Andor. I think he should. What do you think? Do you think he should? I think he should. You tell him. Let, let me know if you think he should. That's that's all I'm saying. Thank you for listening. What? Any more? You're not going to wrap up anymore? You done? Dave's done. Dave's silent. We're done. That's it. That's the whole show. We're done. Stop listening. Turn it off. Well, I'm walking away. I'm going out this door. Slam. Vroom, vroom, vroom. Porter, I'm very far away now. Bye. Getting in this helicopter. Most uh, fruit and vegetables have a 
a, a slight level of poison in them. Yeah, I I would uh, eat apples like fully. Yeah, like I eat the whole apple just because I didn't want to have to like find a place to throw the apple away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, the seeds have cyanide. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you'd have to eat like yeah, a you really apple. have to really put a, put a real big effort into it. Yeah, it's like potatoes have arsenic in them, but you know. And there's a lot of nutritionists that go like, "You should eat the whole thing." I'm like, yeah, but, but there's poison. Yeah, but not much. Like, mm, okay, it's actually pretty good for you because it would build up, you'd build up a tolerance to cyanide. And so, if someone tried to kill you, be like, "Oh, it's too bad I ate all these apples." Maybe. There was like a. I'm just lazy. I didn't want to find a place to throw the apple core away. I think there was a Dorothy L. Sayers story, and that was the instance where this guy. He uh, poisoned Turkish Delight. He like sprinkled arsenic onto poison Turkish Delight, and you know someone ate it and, and they died. But he ate it too. But he had built up a tolerance. But he had you know planned this, and so he had built up a tolerance to the but arsenic. Not a tolerance for Turkish Delight because it was just so no. Bad. It's, <laughs> it's not bad. In uh, the Doctor Who episode where uh, the Doctor is a Tom Baker Doctor and Sarah Jane land on some planet. And they have like orange. They have orange groves on this planet, and Sarah Jane plucks an orange from the tree, and this bites into it like an apple. Yes, that's what I thought. <laughs> like, do you know how to eat an, an orange? Yeah. <laughs> These things are peelable, right? Huh. I'm not crazy. I'm not wrong, am I? All right. I guess this is me. This is me this time. Sure. I get to lord it get over it you. Get it right this time. <laughs> get it right. Straight. I'm going to get rid of this. Let's uh, do our perfect show. <laughs>